0: get it going it's time to get up basically the league and the players association are grinding away at a schedule which is expected to be 56 games these guys are here to break it all down
1: here's roethlisberger coming near side tipped in the air and it's intercepted by washington john Bostic picked it out of the air sweat knocked it up in the air Bostic picked it off Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. This whining already this early in the morning for me is already getting me in a bad mood. This is the starting lineup with James Zabulski and Perry
2: Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Tuesday, December the 8th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canaan Sports Network. 650. We might actually talk about the Canucks at some point, getting closer and closer. James Sabolsky here, Perry Solkowski there, Greg Palick on the other side of the glass, hanging with you until nine o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Man, lots to get to this morning. A lot going down here over the last eight hours or so um, in the middle of the night. News coming down here, pair. Um, man, World Juniors stuff like. like Man, I don't know how they're going to pull this off. Lots of people testing positive for COVID overseas right now, but it sounds like first things first, Pear. It sounds like hockey is coming back, my friend.
3: Yeah, tough to shine on a day with the rain coming down in greater Vancouver, but that ray of light is news last night that after two weeks of sitting in a room and going, no, listen, you got to give back no more money. No, 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 we had an agreement in the summertime. That doesn't matter. We want more money. No, we're not giving you more money. The NHL and the NHLPA decided to move off that conversation and go, okay, forget about it. Let's just keep it as it is. Now let's figure out how you play. Basically, that is what's happened. The one issue, the elephant in the room that the players weren't giving back, saying, hey, we struck a deal. And the owners, who some of them weren't thrilled with that deal, said, no, we want more. They said, okay. So now it's just a matter of finishing it off, James. Sounds like possibly by the end of the week. And pick a day. January 13th seems to be the one that they are floating around. But players are jumping on planes. We will have NHL hockey back a couple of weeks into the 2021 year.
2: Yeah, you might have been bummed that Dr. Bonnie effectively canceled Christmas with anybody else yes. outside your household yesterday. But the good news is, is we've got Elliot Friedman to the rescue, who's sharing the news this morning that uh, hockey... They are working at trying to get something done, possibly by this week. Here's what he had to say about where things sit right now.
0: Basically, the League and the Players Association are grinding away at a schedule, which is expected to be 56 games. They're grinding away at protocols. What happens if someone tests positive? How do players who opt out want to do so? What's the you know what's the penalty if any in terms of financial or anything like that if you walked out on the year training camps there's places like montreal winnipeg san jose where there's very strict current situations right now um you know how's that all going to work i think all of that stuff no exhibition games it looks like i think all of that stuff is being planned right now and they're grinding away at it you know one of the biggest hurdles they had were the financial uh, questions Uh, Last month, the league asked the players for a couple of changes to the economic framework, including deferred money and escrow cap changes. The players were not willing to consider the latter, but they were willing to talk about deferred money, but they wanted a meaningful connection uh, concession. I'm told, Faisal, that one of the things they asked for was the salary caps to be raised slightly um, just to put more money in the system for players, but the league and the owners weren't interested in that, so uh, they decided, you know what, we're going to shelve it, we're not going to make a deal there, and we're going to move on.
2: So there's Elliot Friedman, uh, Sportsnet hockey insider, with the latest uh, between the players' association and the owners. And and Perry, here's what I the one thing you kind of take away from this is that you know the economic framework does not change, right? So there's there's no more escrow as opposed to anything more than what the the players are going to cough up this year, which was already at twenty percent. There's no more in terms of salary deferral. What At some point in the next few years, to make the 50-50 split work, the players are going to have to write a check to the owners. I guess it's just a question of how much, unless, depending on what that next TV contract looks like, which is going to get signed at some point in the next probably nine months, you know, is that a gamble that might really help the windfall financially here in terms of the actual hockey-related revenue?
3: Well, I, I think you have to make an, a decision, and they did for the imme- immediate here and now. You, you know, you're looking at NBA players in camp already. You know they'll be playing on Christmas, and they go, we've got to play. And uh, the NHL is, hey, just to remind you, we're a 50-50 business, and we know from a business standpoint as an owner, we're likely not having fans seeing you guys play hockey, at least for the first couple of months of this schedule, and we know how much money we've lost. So if you don't want to give it back now, you're going to end up paying later. So I understand the move by the players to go, let's just get it going. And from the league, so we, we have to play. But yeah, there, there's going to be a price to pay. I mean, there may be guys deferring money for the next 10 years. Uh, but the right thing is to get this thing back on the track and now go play. But as Elliot said, James, I'm still curious. Now, All right, if right, you've got a guy like Barzell and some restricted free agents that now still don't have deals. So you have to hammer out a contract. You wonder if if those will be done in time. You know, you've got a group of unrestricted free agents, uh, Hoffman and such, who, okay, now that they're going, like, where is this money coming from for these players who are on the outside looking in? And and who's going to be the first to blink in their individual negotiations with teams when the teams go, hey, we've got no more money. So here's what you're playing for. So there's still the business of hockey to take care of now that it looks like they're going to move on and say, let's just start playing.
2: I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it'll be a hurdle for. I mean, do you think Barzell's going to hold out?
3: No, I, I wouldn't think so. But what does he do? Does he, does he sign a just a one-year contract? Where is his mind going? It's certainly been different in the last 365 days. As to hey, maybe I'll sign a big Mitch Marner deal. To, what do I do now? How many of those when have been signed since
2: March? Change? Since Mitch Martiner signed, how many big deals, how many long-term contract extensions have we seen from big-time franchises? Well, that's members? it, right? And, it's and all the is bridge deals. It's all Marner, bridge deals, and they'll get. And I, I, I would assume, like if I'm a betting man on this one, I'm gonna say Matthew Barzell will sign a bridge deal, just like Braden Point, just like Brock Besser, just like <laughs> everybody else. Mika Rantanen. Everybody last year, they all signed bridge deals, right? Patrick Line is Hoffman signing a deal? Yeah, he'll sign a deal. I, 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 he, he, do you think he's going to sit out the season? No, he'll like you know. I think as we get closer to, he might slow play it. Uh, you know, it's going to force some teams to say, okay, well, what do we want to do here? Where are we going to go? Obviously, the Canucks, based on what Jim Benning said last week, they're not going to be signing anybody else. They're not adding anybody else. They're going to try to see what they've got within, but. Yeah, no, I, I, Mike Hoffman's going to land. He's going to play this year. It's just a question of ultimately mm. where and, you know, which team is ready to pony up and try to offer the dollar. I, I do find it interesting that, you know, the players suggested, hey, do you want to throw a little more money into the pot here and, and raise the salary cap? Obviously, there was no appetite, not surprisingly, uh, the players or the, uh, the owners to want to, uh, you know, go a little deeper with the cap. But they'll keep it a flat cap here for the foreseeable future.
3: And I'd be very curious if we have anyone on a short schedule who, you know, we had players opt out of going into the bubble. That was a unique situation. It doesn't sound like they'll be in a bubble situation. But considering where this virus is compared to the summertime, if there's any veteran NHLer that may actually do like some did in the NFL and say, you know, I'm not going to play this year. You got to think of 700 plus guys. Someone's going to say, actually, you know what? I'm in a position right now financially, and I'm just worried about it that I actually think I can pull back this year and not play.
2: I mean, some guys opted not to play in the bubble. Uh I mean Sven Berchi was one of those guys for the Vancouver Canucks. I, I'm gonna guess if I'm gonna th- I think more will probably play. I mean, not too many opted out last year. Some may choose not to put themselves in that risk. But I also think, Pair, when you look at the age demographic of current and active NHL players, you're talking about an overwhelming amount of guys that are in their 20s, you know, guys that are in their 30s. Um, You know, there's not a lot of high risk. Now, there might be some families that have, you know, family members and relatives that Mm -hmm. are high risk. um, So that might ultimately impact some decisions. But I'm going to guess that, most of these players will probably play on and and play. and, and But here's the reality. Guys are going to test positive, right? We'll get to this at 630, but guys are going to test yeah. positive.
3: Well, that is. I, I think a few will opt out um, that they may just go, hey, this is a strange year. My body could use the rest. I don't think when you're needing that paycheck. Um, I, I would just be shocked if we don't have a story of someone – a recognizable name, meaning a guy who was who was part of a team, be it a bottom six or whatnot, going, he's decided not to play. But you're right. We are going to see a positive test. Be curious to see that. Now, everything they're working on now is the interesting part to me because we kind of stayed away from it. So what are you doing? Is there anything in the AHL going on? Are you going to carry 10 extra players? We've watched, hey, we're going to watch a football game tonight again because Baltimore was involved. We saw the adjustments made that they had to. Easier when it's one game a week than it is three and four nights, but uh, this is going to be a great test for the depth of organizations, right? Those who are going to be, hey, yeah, we've had a couple of positives, but we haven't missed a beat in how we've played. But the exciting part is, hey, they're going to play hockey. It's just a matter of what day they start. Middle of January the 13th is the date they're talking about, and it will be a sprint. No exhibition games, James. So what is it? Three weeks before your team actually plays like they should? So all of a sudden, you're ready. It's Valentine's. And you look at him man, we got you, you can't lose any momentum in this, but it's going to take a while to get team started.
2: You know they'll play you know they'll play. Uh, here's what else. we got Todd Bertuzzi coming up in an hour from now. Uh, it is Bertuzzi as he joins us each and uh, every Tuesday morning here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, lots of other things to get to. Our Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650-650. And today, also a big day on this side of the border because we will find out who is Canada's Athlete of the Year. They will name the winner of the Lou Marsh Award for the 2020 edition. And I'll tell you what, this is as deep a field that we have seen. Man, some great contenders this particular year and joining us to talk about it is a guy who's got a vote he's got skin in the game sportsnet's owner rash madania rash how are you sir i'm doing well boys good morning Kirk cousins not a contender for the Lou Marsh thank Award, right god for that thank <laughs> god for
4: that he's, he's not a contender for any kind of award anywhere people
3: Delvin Cook's in my fantasy team, Arash. I've got no problem with how they're handing the ball all the time. Listen, (laughs) I know you're a hardcore fan. I I look at the Vikings every week and go, this is their week.
4: And then they just fall apart. It took overtime to beat a one-win Jacksonville team. I mean, what else do you need to know? I
2: mean, you can have Mitch Trubisky if you'd prefer. Right. Right, I'll pass. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So, I mean, is this? I'm trying to think. Like in the last few years, is this the deepest field that we've seen in a while? I mean, in terms of contenders for the Lou Marsh.
4: Yeah, it's. It, I know it seems that way, James. And then we we, get, we sit around the table and people start bringing up, you know, Brooke Henderson, and Bianca Andreescu, and Penny Alexiak, and Mikhail Kingsbury. When you when you have Olympic years, there's just so many. But I think the in terms of like major professional sports, you have Alphonso Davies who wins the Champions League. you have Laurent duvernay tardif who wins the Super Bowl. you have Jamal Murray who is you know takes Denver to the Western Conference finals, upsets the Clippers down three one you know runs into LeBron who ultimately knocks them out, chase Claypool. I don't have to tell anybody in Vancouver about what what he's doing over there, and we haven't even talked about hockey yet uh, you know so it's 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 remarkable to see athletes at such a young age doing what they're doing on the biggest stages of sport and that that's what makes this conversation today so so neat so cool so special is that we're celebrating our own and that's what makes it awesome
3: arash we don't agree because you've told people who you voted for on social media uh, I understand. Well, i am going to vote for yes yes i understand the human interest and he is a super bowl champion I cannot fathom how a Canadian, and if you want a story, the refugee story, who is one of the best in the world at his position um, Mm -hmm. and has done something no one else can do, and Alfonso Davies doesn't win this award today.
4: No, and and I understand it, Perry. And and the beauty of this is it's not, to me, this is not a debate of I'm right and you're wrong. This is showcasing how great our athletes are. And there have been so many times over the years when you you know the process of this, we begin it at seven thirty Pacific time, and everybody makes um, everybody makes a nomination. They kind of go around the table, and and then you know make a case for it and then debate it. And so often, my opinion does get swayed because of how you know how strong people feel about certain athletes, and, and they tell you things that you hadn't thought about or you, you forgot about along the way. And I understand, look, what Alfonso Davies has done is amazing. Um, I'll just say this, that, and and part of this is biased because I'm a big fan of Canadian University sport, um, and I'm a big fan of stories and the story. But I also remember walking out of Hard Rock Stadium, guys, in February and saying to our producer after Kansas City lifted that Super Bowl trophy, I said, you know, if this wasn't an Olympic year, I I think Laurent's the the Lou Marsh Award winner. You are the starting offensive lineman, starting right guard for the best team in football, a Super Bowl champion. You know, when you think about Canadians in the NFL over the years, they're like practice roster guys or punters or kickers. Uh, no disrespect to the punters. Or oh, but backups, too,
2: honestly, right? I mean, a lot yeah. of backups mm-hmm. in that, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. This, this dude was a start, not just a starter, but he got a contract extension to the tune of $42 million that the best team in football said, we, we, we feel you are among the best at your position. They win three playoff games. They come from behind in each playoff game. That offense is electric throughout those playoff games. And the reason he doesn't play this year, that this fall, is because, oh, yeah, he happens to be a medical doctor from McGill University and said, if I, I took an oath to be an MD, there's a global pandemic going on. I'm not going to return to play for the best team in football. I'm going to go and work in hospitals and in long-term care homes to help fight this pandemic. I... I, I, I <laughs> I'm speechless at that. Name me another athlete on earth who would do that, say that, leave the money behind, and do it. And, I, and look, Alfonso Davies is probably going to win this thing, and rightfully so, and deservedly so. Um, but I'm, I'm putting my support behind Laurent and Laurent's story and Laurent's achievements. And he's gone from a sixth-round pick at a McGill to a starter to a Super Bowl champion to... Big time extension, and also giving back to to our country uh, in a non sports, non way. All in the theater, every, in,
3: in everything you've said, and and Seaball made this point yesterday, and I said, you know, uh, to me, what he has done away from the field takes him away from the Lou Marsh, and goes, okay, you know, what's the criteria for Order of Canada? Who's our Who's our? But man why does the it take him away from the, the
4: Lou Marsh? Year? So why does it take? Right? I mean, He was a starter on a team that won the Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, I agree. And if, if you were telling me, if I'm walking out with you and I was your producer at, at the Hard Rock after the Super Bowl, I'd say, you yeah. know what, I, I think you, you might be right. We've got something there. And then I would have yeah. called you in May or April when Alfonso Davies played against Lionel Messi in Barcelona and said, did you see what that kid just did? And then would oh, I would have called you again and it. said, you know what, he's starting for him in the Champions League. This guy right. is now one of the best in the world at his job, and uh-huh. I would have said Trump did. It's the more people play that game in the world. He will win the
2: Lumar. Hey, Arash, let me sure. let me throw this at you for a second, and, and you know, yeah. like it, like it's you know, Perry Perry makes a, a great case for Alfonso, and I and I think a lot of people will make a great case for Alfonso in terms of being the first ever Canadian to win a Champions League. And man, like a kid who showed up and played in big moments, like you know had these highlight reel moments in these games that mattered. And you go, okay, like this, you know, he wasn't just sitting on the bench waving a flag. He was a total right. impact player. But that being said, you know, what Laurent Duvernay-Tardif did, he did it in an uncompromised event in terms of the National Football League, you know, still played out their season before, you know, the world went on pause with COVID-19. Right? Soccer – Playing in front of empty stadiums, you know, in terms of, you know, the game changed, right? It's like hockey being played in a bubble, the NBA being played in a bubble. Yes, I mean, it's still the same competitive athletes, but the environment, the mentality changes for some guys who who maybe rise to the occasion and the emotion of what a traditional sporting environment looks like. Does that, do you think that plays into any sort of consideration here?
4: I don't know. I, it wouldn't for me, and I, I think every individual voter is different. It doesn't for me. It's, yeah, uh, it's it's the scene in Hoosiers. Uh, they bring up the they bring up the measuring tape. It's it's ten feet from the floor to the to the hoop. It's fifteen right. feet to the free throw line. Um, I it I I just find it amazing, guys, that we're now at a time. I mean, look at the two biggest participation sports in the world. It's soccer and basketball. We have a men's soccer player who's top two fullbacks in the world and just lifted a Champions League trophy. We have a woman, Kadisha Buchanan, who at the age of 25 has beaten now Christine Sinclair as Canada's best soccer player multiple times. She just lifted her fourth Champions League trophy. The number two participation sport on earth is basketball. And Jamal Murray went from 16 a night to 25 a night in the bubble and was within two games of reaching the NBA Finals. And Alfonso, Kadisha, Jamal, in the 25 and under category, they all fit it. Bianca last year, she hasn't mm-hmm. celebrated her 21st birthday yet. What, what our athletes are doing on the global stage, all over the place, is amazing. And that, that's one of the most, that's one, one of the many reasons I love a day like today, is that we get to kind of, we don't do this as Canadians. We don't pound our chests say look at us look how great we are look look what we're doing right now but today we get to do that and it's not and i know it's supposed to be an olympic year and it's not just in the olympic sports it's in the sports where the whole world is playing and the whole world is watching and it's canadians who are leading the charge and i think that's that's awesome and that's that's part of what you know yeah it's a debate yeah it's a conversation yeah it's a vote but yeah it's also showcasing who we are and what we have and what our Canada has become. Alfonso Davies, as you mentioned, the, the immigrant refugee story. The Last year, Bianca's parents showed up to Canada with two suitcases and nothing else, and fear and wonder of what what's going to happen in this new country that they want to start a life in. Uh, Laurent is a, you know, from rural Quebec, goes to McGill, didn't even practice in his last year with the football team at McGill because he was in med school. And it's all like, you know, there's only... There are only certain classes you can take at certain times, and they don't make concessions for football practice. And he goes from that to, you know, sixth-round pick in the NFL, learning a new game, to winning a championship and helping on the front lines in a pandemic. It's it's amazing what's happening with our athletes, what they're achieving, and and the whole world's getting to see it.
3: It, It's funny because, you know, we're all old enough um, to remember, and we'll go back to the Olympics. We've covered enough where, you know, we would be thrilled to hear – And by the way, the Canadian finished seventh. That's a personal best and a new Canadian record. But the mantra that they took in 2010, and when they would have rolled that out in about 2007 to own the podium. So you think, Arash, you just named the embarrassment of riches we have, and they're all in their 20s. So these kids are 11 and 12, Where it almost seemed for the first time in this country where we're going to go, screw that, we don't want personal best. You're a Canadian and you can be the best. Simple as that. And it might have been an Mm -hmm. Olympic own the podium, but I think a confidence and a Canadian attitude was, you know what? I'll be the best. And now here we are 10 years removed from that. And you just named, take the biggest sports around. And we could throw a Canadian right in the middle of a conversation that, you know what? Here's our guy. Here's our girl. And they're one of the best. The audacity the world of these
4: kids, Perry, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> awesome. It's, it's, and it's the culture shift. It's a generational shift, but, and it's an expectation shift. And you know, 2012, London Olympics, Canada won one gold medal. Rosie.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Trampoline.
4: Rosie. Four years later, we were winning multiple gold medals on the same day. And uh, if Tokyo 2021 happens, and fingers crossed it does, I I dare say we may set a record, Canada may set a record for most gold medals won ever by this country in the Summer Olympics. That, that, that was the trajectory they were on for Tokyo. Now, mm-hmm. who knows what this will all look like next summer uh but that's that's what's happening here and hey i'm all i'm here for it i'm here for it chase claypool balling out for pittsburgh um we're all watching you know the evolution of a young star right before our eyes it's it's incredible to see
2: um buddy get those elbows up I feel like uh, it should be a spirited conversation today. And, you know, in in any other year, man, Jamal Murray would be a wonderful candidate or a wonderful choice to be the athlete of the year. And Chase Claypool, the same sort of thing. Um, But I feel like it's a two-horse race. And uh, I think it's coming down to Alphonse your guy, Laurent. And I can't wait to see what the results are And I'll just add one
4: thing, guys, because a few baseball uh, people have asked me this. Why isn't Freddie Freeman in the conversation? Mm. Played for Canada in the World Baseball Classic three years ago. Um, He plays for Canada as a tribute to his late mother. Both his parents were born and raised in Canada, but Freddie was born in the U.S. The criteria... Freddie Freeman was the NL MVP this year. The criteria for the Lou Marsh is you are either born in Canada or a Canadian citizen. Uh, Freeman doesn't check either of those boxes. That's why he's not in the conversation this year. But, you know, if he did add another one there, NLMVP, who uh, was representing the Maple Leafs. So that's why Freeman's not in the conversation today.
2: Stay safe out there, my friend. Good luck. Okay, boys. Be well. You as well. There he is. Uh, great conversation this morning with uh, Arash Madani, one of the voters for uh, the Lou Marsh Award, which we will find out the uh, winner in about four hours from now. 25 minutes after 6 o'clock. I guess we should mention, per, uh that is our poll question this morning. Uh, who you got for your Athlete of the Year for the Lou Marsh Award? If you had a vote, who's your choice? Uh, are you going with Alfonso Davies, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif? Uh, is that your choice? Chase Claypool. Um, Jamal Murray Where's oh, your Murray. choice And uh, that's our poll question this morning So get in there uh, Up and running uh, Bright and early this morning So um, cast your belt and Four we'll
3: four athletes All great Considered and, and you can make an argument for both And not one hockey player in there Times are changing
2: Alfonso the, uh, the early leader Now there's only 15 votes in there right now Although I think Twitter poll questions Are broken these days But we will continue to play on With our poll questions Damn it and we will continue the conversation. Uh, the NHL getting closer to return to play and why the NHL's slow play in all this just might be the best or the worst thing for their return to play. We'll get into that story next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
1: Welcome to the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
2: it's wet out there today, and it's going to stay that way all day. Cebalski, Solkowski kicking it with you. So the NHL getting closer to return to play. Uh, We'll continue that conversation. That's an encouraging sign of things. And uh, there are no more perfect teams in the National Football League. The 72 Dolphins pair are safe again for now.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you see uh, Larry Zonka posting on social media. Just having a little bit of a drink last night. Uh, Brian Greasy, who works Monday Night Football, said, yeah, I know. He talked to his dad, Bob, who was the quarterback, and said, yeah, no, It's not easy to be perfect, son. (laughs) So the 72 Dolphins still having some fun. Hey, I I don't know why Bella came up with the freak out, but that could possibly be playing through the world junior offices as you find out that Sweden has lost a ton of players, coaches. I don't know if that, you know. I know when we talked to uh, Michael Dick, uh, Vancouver Giants head coach, assistant coach with Team Canada, so positive that they're going to play, James. You need competition. I don't think they're going to find it.
2: Well, you've got the world junior coach for Team Sweden. Uh, Tommy Montan has uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, Chris Johnson uh, also. Uh, Rene Fazell is at home right now. Um <laughs> who he's dealing with, uh, I I believe, uh, uh, COVID exposure, um, but he's tested positive for COVID-19, the president of the International Ice Hockey Federation. Uh, There's also, I believe, members of the German uh, World Junior Team as well. Lucas Reichel will not be available, along Mm -hmm. with Nino Kinder. Uh, So, man, like... this is like this is it's happening, right? I mean, it. I, I'm assuming that they'll continue to play and they'll just go with players who otherwise wouldn't have been on the roster as replacements. But it's, um, yeah, you're right. Well, <laughs> and
3: you've covered this tournament a lot, and we don't see it as much. But to me, uh, you know, so much of this is, is marketing and the, the hype. Here it is, and you get those great games. But, boy, when you see a game where it's you know nine nothing and it's not even close, and that's what you're going to find if you are if you are now going to be playing with guys who normally wouldn't make the team, but because of this situation are on it, it just it just takes away from a tournament that's kind of being forced with these kids right now, but we'll see if they get that far even
2: yeah, and it's funny, I mean this exactly what the world juniors are, are dealing with is kind of what relates to this morning's edition of Seaball says Let's do it." Alec? He may not be right, but
1: he says it with confidence anyway. I
4: need all of you to stop what you're doing
1: and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650.
2: There we go. We call that a dramatic pause. Uh, you know, for weeks, we have raised, uh, raved about how the NBA was quick to get their act together, work alongside the Players Association in order to tip off their season December 22nd and ensure they dominate the airwaves on Christmas Day with a full slate of games, which they will. After all, I mean, who doesn't want to spend the holidays with LeBron and Giannis and Steph and Katie and Kawhi? For the
1: win...
2: Now, many of us have scolded the NHL for an apparent greed from both sides as they gripe and grumble over the possibility of adjusting to an already agreed-upon CBA. The NBA seemed above that. We appreciated that. But what the association isn't above is COVID-19. Over the last couple of days, two NBA teams have been hit by the global pandemic that has claimed more than 1.5 million lives worldwide. The NBA is quickly finding out that life outside a bubble is very, very, very different. The Raptors announced that they had three members of the organization test positive yesterday. Three cases were
1: isolated. Uh, There was no contact. Contact tracing uh, went through. Uh, There's been no further positive tests, uh, so we're confident that uh, we can continue with basketball.
2: That's Raptors GM Bobby Webster, and this all comes a day after the Portland Trailblazers shut down their training facility because of three positive tests amongst their own. But these situations follow the news from less than a week ago that once the NBA resumed coronavirus testing at the end of November, about 9% of the roughly 550 players tested positive. Yes, vaccines are on the way, but we're not out of the woods just yet. This all brings me back to the NHL. As we all got restless with the league's slow play determining the right bubble cities, the NHL, they did it right. The bubbles in both Edmonton and Toronto proved to be airtight fortresses protecting players and allowing the playoffs to go on unscathed.
1: The bubble has burst. This most remarkable, unique tournament is over. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are 2020
2: Stanley Cup champions. Now as we see the NBA dealing with the same hurdles that the NFL, NCAA, and Major League Baseball have all run into, you have to wonder if the NHL can actually learn anything by being late to the party. They were flawless in the summer, but the game has changed. Cases have spiked, not just in America, but on this side of the border too. We can't be so judgmental looking at our neighbors to the south anymore. The NHL might actually benefit by dragging its feet here with vaccines being rolled out. In fact, some owners reportedly think it might make sense to actually wait until the vaccine is readily available, but that could take months. Reports over the last few days suggest the NHL will resume January 13th, but Vegas owner Bill Foley suggested yesterday on Fox that it might be closer to February. The league must also keep in mind that the longer it takes to drop the puck, the shorter the season or the longer it'll take to finish. Positive cases are going to pop up in the NHL. That is the reality, and they're going to need time to adjust. Hockey's a winter sport, and the audience showed this past summer that we'd all like to keep it that way. And that's today's edition of Seaball Says. 650-650, the Dunbar-Lumber text line, if you want to jump on in and weigh in with your thoughts. But that's the one thing about the NHL getting back to playing. Like, we are in the winter now, right? I mean, the winter officially mm-hmm. kicks off in, what, about 10 days from now or so, or 12 days. But it's it's hockey season right now. And there's going to be cases that pop up here. And at some point in time, you're going to have to pivot and adjust. At some point, there will probably be a postponement of a game because of COVID tests. And well, they got to be ready to deal with that before you stretch things out into the middle of July.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's pouring up where I am here today. And I think to that would be like me walking outside thinking I'm not going to get hit by any raindrops. I mean, these guys are going to play. They're going to jump on their private planes but have to you know, go into hotels. They're, they're not going to be in the bubble that they were in Edmonton so they are going to be surrounded by it and, and and look where the world juniors are you look at the numbers in alberta they're shocking they're shocking everywhere and even with the canadian team staying in canada it's you know it's, it's no hey hey we're just going to toronto so to me that's the curiosity of the negotiations that are going on right now they've moved the money aside so that was the stumbling block so now they're going how are we going to do this they're going to be positive tests i mean we're every morning We come on the radio and we look and go, now we're focusing on the world juniors and we can go through the three or four teams and you go, Oh, they've lost this player for a while. What (laughs) will the quarantine be? How long will they have to isolate? And where do the extra players come from? Because you can't get into situations like the NFL when it's easy to say, Hey, we only play one game a week, but what do you do? I I don't think the, and the the deadline for the NHL is the middle of July. And that deadline looms because of a TV deal that sits with NBC and the Olympics. So you can't postpone a bunch of games. It might be easier to go, hey, they won't play Tuesday. Uh, We've got the building empty in Edmonton. They'll play Wednesday. But you need to have the players. I I would argue the fact that whoever makes it to the playoffs, whoever is the Stanley Cup champion of the 2020-2021 season, um, you know, it might have been tougher to win the Stanley Cup, but it might be more legitimate what they did in the bubble than what might happen in the season that's about to unfold for us. Because who knows what kind of teams you're playing when Winnipeg comes to town if they've had a break through COVID and you see six of their players aren't actually playing that night, it's going to be very interesting.
2: Uh, absolutely, and 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 going okay. Um, all right, no Sidney Crosby tonight because he was an exposure. Like you know what I mean. Like that's that's the reality of what is probably going to happen. I mean, look what we saw with Major League Baseball. We that was the the first sport that we kind of saw going. What the hell's going on, man? What a mess. And they had to kind of tighten up and, and pull their socks up. At the beginning, though, it was ugly. But I think it's also the reality. I mean, the NFL, when you think about the postponements, per, as much as we kind of shook our heads last week in disbelief uh, with having to move the, the Steelers and Ravens game last week, You know, all things considered, they haven't had to do that too much this year. And what? The season kicked off in September, and here we are now at the beginning of December. And if you think about how many games have been postponed in the NFL schedule at a time when, like, the cases have surged, I mean, like, exponentially, they have gone through the roof, and not just in America, but here in Canada too. You know, the NFL has kind of tiptoed around it for the most part. Now the NBA is finding out that life outside a $150 million bubble is much, much different.
3: Well, and here's the one thing we haven't even talked about. We're excited about, hey, they may play January 13th. appears to be the day... They'll have to address COVID. No training camp, a minimum training camp, likely no exhibition games. Like, how long is the actual injury list of NHL players going to be this year? Back to back to back, no Mm -hmm. training camp, no exhibition games. How many pulled muscles are we going to see? So your injury list is probably going to be longer than it ever has before. You're going to be dealing with COVID. It is going to be a funky run. Hey, I'm excited about it. But, man, you look at check your rosters, everybody, when the team comes to town because I don't know how often it's going to look like you would hope it would when you drop a whiteboard before game
2: one. Uh six fifty, six fifty the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Torgi and Langley saying there will be positives, 100%. I do look at NHL players as being the most responsible. They're a bit different. You can be as careful as you want. COVID can still find you, but I got faith in the boys. And you know what? That's uh, that's great to, to wave the flag, and I understand where you're coming there, uh, Torgi, but at the same time, like – Look what happened to the St. Louis Blues in the return to play in training camp, right? Like they had almost a third of the team that got impacted by COVID, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, I believe, were also mm-hmm. impacted as well. So, listen, I mean, COVID does not discriminate here. Eight uh, six forty-three here on this uh, Tuesday morning. James and Perry kicking it with you. Todd Bertuzzi will join us at the top of the clock, and in a moment, no BS, just straight up PS. Next, right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet six people
1: It's all P.S., no B.S., right here on The Starting Lineup.
3: Sportsnet 650, let's give you some of the facts. No B.S., just a whole bunch of P.S. for you, everybody. P.S., 40 years ago today that one of the icons of sports casting delivered tragic news to the world. Timeout is called. Three seconds remaining. John Smith is on the line. And I don't care what's on the line, Howard.
1: You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back. Rush to Roosevelt Hospital dead on arrival.
3: James, I don't know when the last time I'd heard that, man. I had goosebumps. Just Howard Cosell, dead on
2: arrival. Wow. I wasn't old enough to remember that moment live, but just the the just the directness of how it said. You know, so much now. If anything's sensitive, we just kind of tap dance around it. But just so matter of factly, you know, D.O.A. from Cosell. But a, a, a where were you? A shocking moment, um, you know, and to lose somebody kind of in the prime of their life, right? Like that's 40 years ago today for John Lennon, right? And, you know, what do you think about and- from a sports standpoint?
3: Yeah, uh, the only thing you compare it to, but it's so different how we digest our news. I mean, no one knew that except for Howard Cosell, right? Someone in an ABC newsroom. That's the biggest event you could watch on Monday night. That's the biggest audience. I would compare it to, at least from me mentally, when all of a sudden I'm looking at my phone on a Sunday morning and you start hearing, "Hang on here, something's wrong." Kobe Bryant might, Kobe Bryant might have been killed, and I, I would, I would look at that. As to the impact of of someone in culture and sports where just the shock to everybody were just this the last thing you thought. So uh, forty years ago today. John yeah. Lennon, the the shot co- 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 and role.
2: and it's funny, like I mean, doesn't does Kobe's passing not feel like that was five years ago now, right? And that no. was yeah, like less than a year ago.
3: Uh, PS the National Women's Soccer League is growing.
2: This is blocked. Slight
1: touch. It's Sinclair. Sinclair
3: has put the Portland Thorns up here. So Christine Sinclair still scoring goals. She may score now in a regular season game in Kansas City. Here's the neat thing: who's the majority owner of the Kansas City expansion team? Brittany Murphy. Brittany's husband, Patrick Mahomes. I'm suggesting that probably he's helping out with part of that half-a-billion-dollar contract he signed. He's got a stake in the Kansas City Royals. Now his wife is the majority owner of this women's soccer team. She played college and pro soccer in Iceland. I went down a rabbit hole yesterday trying to see how much women get paid to play pro soccer in Iceland. I think a few people actually go there. Hey, P.S., well, it's not hard to figure out where Tom Brady is nowadays
1: at the door somebody ringing the bell someone's knocking at the door somebody's
2: ringing the bell do me a favor open the door and let him in
3: boy we've worked a little john lennon and paul mccartney into ps no bs here's the thing with brady yeah we know he lives in tampa bay you have an idea of what his work schedule is Someone broke into Brady's house in Massachusetts this weekend. Made themselves at home. Happened at 6 in the morning. The alarms go off. The police arrive. There's a guy hanging out just sitting on the sofa downstairs. Brady, of course, hanging out in Tampa Bay. The homie broke into uh, once for sale. It's not on the market now, but Brady's trying to get rid of it. For $39 million. <laughs>
2: And this like this like last week it was DeMar DeRozan uh, who had mm-hmm. to deal with an intruder right and now it's Tom Brady um, yeah I mean you, you know what's funny like even here locally you hear more and more stories and in, in, you know I think we've heard even in our neighborhood that you know there's been a spike of you know crimes you know like just stuff getting stolen off people's properties you know people breaking into people's cars yep. and, and like it's just it's that time right and uh you know in the world and yeah it seems like the athletes and the stars aren't immune for this either
3: well you know we get uh, you know a lot of amazon a lot of parcels delivered as they are to most houses yesterday we had three delivered and we got three dogs trust me you hear you start coming up the driveway it's complete chaos as you try to do meetings and one more thing p.s everybody we hope the olympics is set to go this summer of course without a hitch but the next summer olympics boy there'll be some making some noise in the dance community street dancing
4: don't understand
3: Kelly I'm aware of what it is It's just that I'm working on getting you into one of the biggest dance competitions which can lead to incredible exposure and you're telling me you want to be a street dancer
4: Would you just let me explain to Kelly, you
5: Kelly you're wasting your time You've got to think about your future We're building a career You can't make a living dancing in the street
3: I can't believe yesterday this show made me go down the rabbit hole of watching clips from the movie Breaking but that's what happened the ioc in pursuit of urban events to lure younger audiences breaking yes break dancing will be officially added as a medal event in 2024 skateboarding sport climbing and surfing also part of it okay my question and i've had this i've wondered for 16 hours since i went and picked that clip if you ever seen that movie breaking because i think you told me you did a little break dancing didn't you
2: Well, after school, we would do that in elementary school. You know, somebody break out the ghetto blaster, plug it into the block heater outside, and you know, somebody have a broken down refrigerator box, and off we'd go. I do. I I didn't go see the first breaking in in the theater, but I do remember going to the theater to see breaking two the electric. There were two. Yeah, there was breaking two the electric boogaloo. Oh God!
3: After seeing some of the scenes from one, someone said, "That's good enough. We're gonna make two.
2: Yep. Wow. I might still have the soundtrack to uh, Beat Street as well somewhere in my, you know, the few remaining CDs that I decided to keep after finally deciding it might be time to purge these things.
3: You were training to be an Olympian. It just fell short.
2: <laughs> 30 years ahead of my time, apparently.
3: That's it. No BS. Just nothing but PS for you folks.
2: Uh, 6.55 here on this uh, Tuesday morning, figure out what day it is It's like Groundhog Day apparently this morning in the rain But Todd uh, Bertuzzi will join us in a couple of moments uh, It's Tuesday, everybody We'll dive in with Big Bert next right here On your home of Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet 650 <laughs> let's get it going it's
1: time to get up
0: basically the league and the players association are grinding away at a schedule which is expected to be 56 games these guys are here to break it all down here's Roethlisberger
1: coming here side tipped in the air and it's intercepted by Washington John Bostic picked it out of the air Sweat knocked it up in the air Bostic picked it off Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. This whining already this early in the morning for me is already getting me in a bad mood. This is the starting lineup with James Zabulski and Perry Solkowski. Two minutes after 7
2: o'clock here on this Tuesday, December the 8th. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Simulski. Tom Bertuzzi will join us here on this Bertuzzi Mole for Tuesday momentarily. A reminder that uh, this hour of the starting lineup is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber. The smart alternative is at Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbutus Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. And we should also mention, Pair, that uh, Sportsnet 650, proud to join KISS Radio, News 1130, Mm -hmm. and Jack FM to support Food Bank Friday, which is just three days away. It's a virtual fundraiser happening on December 11th between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. And we're raising important funds for accessible, healthy, and sustainable food for all. And it's real simple if you want to help out this year – Every dollar between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. on December 11th will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000 and it's real simple. If you want to make a donation, all you got to yep. do, you can text a carrot emoji to 30333 to donate 5 bucks. Simple as that. A banana emoji, that'll give you 10 bucks if you text in at 30333 and a red heart emoji is a $25 donation. Again, all you got to do Text that emoji to 3033330333. 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, a carrot for five bucks, banana for ten bucks, or a red heart emoji. For, and that's a $25 donation. And there's a lot of people that could really use it this year.
3: Yeah, if you want to go old school, you can just visit sportsnet.ca/slash 650/slash events uh, or check out the food bank on Friday. They'll have the event page, it'll have the donation link. And as you say, Uh, We can't be there in person this year as we normally are. Everything looks different, but the need that the food bank has at this time of year for donations is very much the same. So uh, if you're with us every morning, we appreciate that. But for ourselves and our sister stations, if you can make note of that on Friday, such such a cause, it's so needed in our community right now. So join us, virtual fundraiser, Food Bank, Friday from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m.
2: Todd Bertuzzi will join us, uh, as mentioned, uh, in just a couple of moments. Uh, news coming down uh, late last night, earlier this morning, that uh, it looks as though the NHL and the Players Association are getting closer and closer to coming up with an agreement. They will uh, continue to negotiate protocols for this upcoming season, according to Sportsnet Hockey Insider Elliot Friedman. But the economic framework, you know what? That's generally the hardest piece, right? The money portion, pair That's been done. Uh, that will not change currently to what the recently negotiated collective bargaining agreement was agreed upon months ago. That economic framework will not change between the players and the national hockey league, according to sports net hockey insider, Elliot Friedman. So now it's all about going forward with what sort of protocols now in terms of the rut, the return to play opting out what happens when somebody tests positive. And I'm sure they probably already have a framework, um, to kind of at least address a little bit based on what happened with the bubble. This is going to be a little different now with obviously teams playing at home in all likelihood, you know, where the Canucks will be in Vancouver. And, 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 but again, like there's the other question, like what does this look like for some of these areas and cities and municipalities that have tight restrictions? Like are the Canucks going to be allowed to play here? You know, I mean, well, no adult events right now, right? Like, no recreational activities. I mean, like, is, is that going to be viewed differently for the Vancouver Canucks?
3: Well, BC Hockey League uh, shut down yesterday until January. You know, I'm curious, and let us get Bert's opinion too. Uh, you know, we can't, as fans, it's tough to get into the millions and the billions and the conversations about money. You know, figure it out, deferred, escrow. But now you're going, well, I wonder how long the road trips will be. If they're playing 56 games, you got 28 games on the road. Do you play multiple? Are you gone for two weeks? Uh, you know, what kind of depth did they do they have? You know, what kind of access? Do you carry a taxi squad of eight or nine guys? Because you may not have the AHL. So it's actually more hockey-related issues that they'll work on and try and get solved by the end of the week. So they can at least give everybody, hey, January 13th, we dropped the puck, we're underway, and it'll make for it. Like I thought the bubble was going to be crazy. This might be even even tougher, and, and the 2021 Stanley Cup champion might just go look at it and go, wow, didn't see that one coming. Where, you know, the cream rise to the crop of the bubble, I don't know if that will be the case through this one. It's going to be a crazy run.
2: Topper Tuesday hanging out with us here on this uh, Tuesday morning. How you doing there, Big Berg?
6: Yeah, I'm doing alright. How are you guys doing today?
2: Oh, you know, any better and I'd cut up my health card today, I think.
6: Alright, well, I'm just trying to figure out, I'm just going to French press. I'm trying to figure out the water ratio to the beans right now, and I'm not doing a very good job two days in a row with weak coffee. So hopefully someone out there can uh, text in you guys, let me know what the uh, bean-to-water ratio should be.
3: So on a French press, you need to know the bean-to-water ratio. Text us on the Dunbar Lumber hotline, 650 (laughs) You need anything else fixed around the house that you'd like people to text in and tell you, hey, hook this up. Hey, answer me this. We can't get into, you know... The negotiation of money is one thing. But as a mm-hmm. player, what would you be most curious about right now? Like road trips or how are you playing at home? Or do you care about those details that now have to be worked out that that change things for you and what the schedule will look like?
6: i got to be honest with you. I'm curious about everything that's going on, man. Um, you see the Raptors have to go to Tampa to uh, have training camp and possibly start the year, play the year with the Ontario restrictions. Every province is different. Every state is different. That's where it gets complicated. Uh, we all thought that the bubble was going to be very difficult uh, to get away with and, and, and to pull off. And it actually was the safest and best possible way in order to get the season in. So now you're going back to like where football is, where you're traveling, you're going from city to city, And you see the amount of difficulty that the NFL is having getting these games on. You just watch uh, the Steelers play three games in 14 nights, lose last night, Uh, and and, and that's football. These guys are used to having six days off and then playing every Sunday. And they're trying to make a compact schedule. Uh, You try seeing that in hockey, playing three games in four nights. I don't know, man. I just have... At some point in time, I feel like we just gotta <laughs> we gotta push forward and, and and get going with all this. But at the same time, like you said, Perry, this could be the most wide open opportunity for someone to win a cup. You don't know who's going to be in the lineup. You don't know how long someone's going to be out. You're going to have to have depth beyond belief in order to compete this season. Uh, your minor league system ha- is going to be is going to have to be huge. You're gonna I don't, like. They're going to have to figure out how many you carry on the roster. Is it almost like a football team? Are you carrying 30, 40 players? Mm-hmm. And then you boot, who's allowed fans, who's not allowed fans. There's just so many unanswered questions. And we were t- I remember we were talking so long about, is this bubble going to be able to pull it off like <laughs> The bubble seemed to be the freaking perfect way in order to get sports done. And you saw that with the NBA and you saw that with the hockey. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uncertainty in the air. And uh, a lot of unanswered questions, so it's going to be—it's uh, sure going to be a process.
2: Bert, where's the where's the depth uh, going to be most critical for a team in your mind? Uh, forward position, D, your back, you're you're between the pipes. Where do you see it?
6: Seaball, I see I see just just all over. You're going to have to have Swiss Army Knights. You're going to have to guys who are capable of playing defense, capable of playing forward. You're going to have to have. Guys being able to be adaptable uh, in order to play different kind of positions. I really feel that in your depth, you're going to look for guys who know how to play center, know how to play wing, and are capable with their great skating. Be able to play D to contribute that way. I think it's it's going to be, you're going to see situations throughout the year of COVID coming in and cleaning out teams of four, five, six, seven kind of guys or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a very unique process. I, uh, I don't know, man. Like I was really questioning the bubble and the bubble proved to be the best solution. Uh, You obviously can't do that with uh, 32 teams. Uh, So uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions. It's going to, I I don't know. It's I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic, but at the same time, we have to try to move forward in life. But at the same time, I think it's going to be, it's going to be challenging.
3: Robert joining not us and laying down, down the groundwork that Louis perfect. Erickson could be the Canucks MVP. You just described him perfectly. He can do it all. Um, you know what's funny <laughs> is, is I think you and I were both on the same page. I don't know if we anticipated the hockey being as good as it was as quickly as it was in the bubble. But these, these guys are pro athletes. They kept themselves in shape. If they don't play, you know, they're going to have a shortened training camp. Talk is no exhibition games. Bert, how long before the hockey looks like it should? I mean, are we months? You know, is it February before a player would feel comfortable that he's on a roll?
6: Well, I don't know. I look at it two different ways. How about all the teams that didn't get into the bubble? How long they've been off? They might I be know. coming out of, they might they might be, <laughs> be the freshest coming out of the gate going a million miles an hour where everyone in the bubble was exhausted or is, is they're going to come out and end up going guns ablaze in the first couple of games, and then because other teams have already played months and months more than they have, they'll just steamroll them, and and uh, it'll take you a couple months in order to get into rhythm. It's it's not going to be easy. Um, you can say yeah, they're the best athletes, they're the best shape, and all that, but fortunately, unfortunately, it's a team sport, and you have to have everyone kind of on the same page, striving for the same. Uh, achievements and you can't have any loose ends you got to make sure everyone's buying into this and everyone comes in focus and ready and the tension to detail is going to be uh at an all-time high uh coaching is going to have to be huge uh so there's just there's just so much uncertainty but i'm I, I, and and i heard you guys earlier they still have to figure out the money <laughs> that's the problem is is the billions and billions and billions and billions and unfortunately we have to discuss it because that, that, that's that's how sports are uh, generated through money and through fans and uh to not have all of that it's it, there's just there's so many unanswered questions I'm, I'm trying to be positive and optimistic and hoping that everything get off to st- uh to a good start and and we have no issues, but uh, you got to be uh, realistic at times.
2: Todd Bertuzzi here on Sportsnet 650, and then obviously, like we, we've talked about this before, but you've obviously got skin in the game, and not as a player anymore, but your son's still a member in the Ontario Hockey League, and and I, I, they're still hoping to play at some point in the new year, I, I, I would imagine, and like all that, all that talk about moving around from city to city, like, like he's going to be subject to all that, right? Yeah,
6: well, I'm not even worried about the NHL. I'm more worried about my own child and the rest of these young kids who are, are have goals and dreams of, of being hockey players and being all taken away right now. And remember, people, don't be, I'm not being insensitive, and I understand there's, there's other things. This is a sports show, so we're discussing sports. I know how this goes. But I really feel bad for these kids who all they want to do is play hockey and they can't play hockey. You just said the BCHL just shut down. Quebec League just shut down. Uh, all it's it, These kids are losing years. Like my son lost last year in playoffs. He had a great year. Finally he was on a good team. Finally got to play. Had a very, very solid year. And they lost the last six games. Lost all the playoffs. And then now they're losing all this right now. And and in junior, you technically, you have four years plus an overage year. Thankfully, he can go back for an overage year and go play, and then he's got to start finding after that. And even these young kids trying to go over to Europe, well, there's a lot of AHL players, East Coast players, that are very, very good talent players that all have gone over there and taken the jobs, and rightfully so. Uh, they deserve that opportunity and all that. So um, there's a lot of mass confusion for a lot of these kids. I, I wouldn't want to be a kid right now trying to go through this because it's very difficult and um being hands-on with my son and all that and, and seeing what he's going through and how hard he's working and all he wants to do is play It's it's uh it's hard but we try to keep it upbeat, and uh and he's skating lots and and getting his uh workouts and all that and i just told him i said Duh. when it happens man there's just no looking back you got to go guns and blazing and and uh, make up for lost time, but uh, there's a lot of guys who are even overage years that don't even get to play that overage year, and they're and they're done their hockey career. So it's 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 tough to be uh, an athlete right now and uh, and a parent and watching your kids have to go through this.
3: Yeah, there's a big mental grind. Let's take a, a pause here, Todd Bertuzzi. I'll go to the text line. Four heaping teaspoons of coffee. For one cup of water, just had mine, and I did research on this. Also asked Berkey. He makes a great French press coffee. Someone's saying 1 to 15, bean to water, but I do 1 to 8 because it's stronger.
2: Well, we've got people listening to the show, guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's a start. Like, that helps. (laughs) We'll take that as a win. Somebody else also reminding you to make sure you're grinding those beans there, Bert.
6: Oh no no I get I get them grind I got this beautiful place down the street called a bean to go they got a uh, beautiful flavored coffee and I usually walk down there get my bags of beans they grind them for me and come back it, here and, but, but it, but it took you a while.
2: Fans, uh, huh? It took you a while to grind though right like you know, you didn't start grinding until probably the last couple of years in the league right
4: I'll oh, get lost. <laughs> 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 hey, What's I want
5: to right? ask I you something. Can, Both Seabal like and I are reading right the paid-for-Brian
3: Burke book. Oh. Um, I was just finishing, and you're referred to it quite a bit, but uh, I was just finishing. He's getting into the Mike Keenan situation. And, you know, Keenan was the coach before Burke was the GM. They did not get along, um, no matter what your water-to-coffee ratio was going to be. And Berkey talked about that game at Maple Leaf Gardens. It was the last game the Canucks played at Maple Leaf Gardens. You remember that one where Keenan pulls the goalie halfway through the third?
6: I, I got to be honest with you. I, I talked to Seaball earlier about it. and I, I don't know because I, I blew my knee out. And I don't know if I was playing. I know I had to go and have my ACL, MCL redone and all that. I, I do recall that situation coming up. I don't know if I was in the game. I don't think I was in the game. I think I just finished coming off knee surgery, so I missed the whole last half of that. But it, it wouldn't have surprised me. I know there was there was two very strong-willed men who were very combative, and unfortunately, didn't see eye to eye. Which is, to me, is kind of you wish they would have because they're two powerful men with uh, with very good motivators. And you would have thought that it might have worked, but um, Mike also. But you guys knew in the that.
3: room they didn't get along.
6: Uh, yeah, you can always tell. It's just like there's stuff being said and all that. Not necessarily that it's behind the backs, but there's stuff being. And you can, you're a man. You can realize that there's a little bit of. Uh, a power struggle. Nick Mike was used to being uh, the guy as far as GM, coach, making the calls, making the decisions. And then Berkey, the big Irish teddy bear, comes in and and he commanded that uh, he makes the decisions and all this. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. I love both men, and both men have been huge in, in my career and life. But it was very uh, testy near the end uh, with the two of them.
2: Well, go make your French coffee. Make it strong. Let
3: our audience know how it turned out, text one of us.
6: Yeah, I actually, I'll, I'll text you guys. I'm off tomorrow to Indianapolis. I've got to go pick my daughter up. She just had ACL surgery. And what? then I'm bringing her back. Yeah, she blew her knee out, so she's not able to finish her last uh, season at Butler playing lacrosse. So she just finished having successful ACL surgery. So i got to go pick her up, bring her back home. And then January one, I'm off on an RV road trip. I'm heading up to Nashville, New Orleans, and then all through Florida. So I'll keep you guys posted, and I'll let you know where I'm at every Tuesday.
2: All right, you stay safe over there, buddy, and uh, keep on grinding those beans, anyway. Ha <laughs> ha! Absolutely,
6: absolutely. You two keep right hearing the show. You guys are doing a fantastic <laughs> job.
2: <laughs> You're a good liar, sir. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Too hey,
5: bad.
2: It's for Tuesday. Uh, Todd for Tuesday on this uh, Tuesday edition of the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650. And yeah, I mean, depth, man, like depth is going to be critical. And I'll, I'll tell you what, Perry, I mean, you joked about Louis Erickson being, you know, a glue guy for the Canucks this year potentially. How about oh. Jace Harleck? Right, and and a guy who's yep. kind of been seen as as a Swiss Army knife, who can play in different scenarios up and down the lineup, like guys like that might prove to be invaluable this particular season.
3: It, you're going to see superstars getting this, right? I mean, the the odds will just it will just happen. I mean, we we've talked earlier this the Swedish junior team's been decimated by COVID 19. Now they're not in the tournament. But once it's go time in the NHL, you know, all of a sudden, the end of January, one guy gets it and you jump on the plane. The next thing you know, you're going to have four or five guys who are out and it's not going to, you know, it, 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 everyone is, is open, right? It's, oh, geez, it's only a third line guy. No, no, no. You're going to lose superstars and you're going to have a hockey game that I think will be played. I would imagine in the conversations going on with the PA and the NHL right now, they're just saying, Hey, we've got to be done by July 23rd. We have to be done by July 23rd. So, guys, be prepared to play a game with five or six players that might be uh, out because of COVID, and you're going to have to call these guys up. You know a Cole Lynn might be playing a whole bunch of hockey this year in a Canucks uniform because, I, you know, that's my curiosity. How big is your taxi squad uh, with this team? Like, are you rolling with 10 or 15 guys, essentially? Because you might need that number, James, to make these games – uh, you know played because I just don't think you can go out oh, we're not we're canceling Tuesday we're playing Wednesday maybe you get one or two it'll be like a coach's challenge one or two where you can't get it done but you are affecting an entire schedule a uh, lot of interesting things have to be hammered out in the next three or four days.
2: No question about it. Uh, And speaking of which, uh, we'll hear from uh, Sportsnet Hockey Insider Elliot Friedman on the latest uh, with the NHL's return to play plans. uh, A breakthrough, it sounds like, last night. A major financial piece uh, addressed. So we will get into that uh, and much, much more. All still ahead here on this Tuesday edition of the starting lineup. It's wet out there, people. It's soggy, and we're that much closer to Christmas here on Sportsnet 650.
1: This is The Starting Lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 7.28
2: here on this Tuesday morning. Cebulski and Solkowski with you here in this hour. The Starting Lineup is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbutus Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. So we're about three hours away, pair from, uh, and I understand that uh, the meeting is now under about to get underway uh, for the decision for the Lou Marsh Award, Canada's Athlete of the Year. Uh, it's expected around ten thirty this morning. The announcement as to who will be the Athlete of the Year sounds like uh, the front runner by. Uh, most reactions uh, will probably be Alfonso Davies, but Laurent Duvernay-Tardif uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs uh, certainly getting a strong push as well. As we talked to Arash Medani in the last hour, that's where his vote is leaning towards as the uh, debate and discussion gets going later on today.
3: Could be. You know, and Arash has been part of it for a while. I don't know, James, you've probably been part of committees too. There's always great debates and, and people come in with their favorites. But honestly, if you were to put up, um, and and maybe it's because we're talking about the big played, most participated sports, which you would find in soccer and in football and in basketball. I mean, here it is the Canadian Athlete of the Year, and probably the four biggest options aren't hockey players. So likely, I would say this 2020 class um, as good as they have ever had, and certainly Laurent Dufourneau, Tardif, you're Super Bowl champ, and Arash loves the fact that as a doctor he stepped away from the game to help out on the front lines. Terry Fox was the winner of this award in 1980, so you can't go wrong with with the cause, right? But I would suspect Alfonso Davies wins it, should win it. Um but uh open for discussion and a great discussion. I I think at some point uh LDT will receive some kind of honor for what he has done. Like I'd say You know, put him up for Canadian Citizen of the Year, whatever award they have, McLean Magazine, because he deserves that to reach the heights and then deciding to walk away for a year from, you know, his $4 million annual salary to go, I've got to help on the front lines. Amazing. Great contributor to society. I hope Alfonso Daisy wins this though.
2: You know, it's – there are remarkable – like you look at the two stories, I think, for the front runners in the minds of most, like Jamal Murray had a great year. Like, had an absolutely fantastic year, especially in the playoffs. Like, the bigger the bigger the moments, the better he mm-hmm. got, right? You know, you look at going off for, what, 50 points and 40 points and with the, their seasons on the line and, and coming back to knock out the Utah Jazz in that seven-game series. You know, he does the same thing. And uh, against a shock, you know, Kawhi Leonard and the Los Angeles Clippers, a team that was viewed as a legitimate NBA championship contender – uh, and they come back from a 3-1 deficit and do that. Um, it's just not the year for Jamal Murray this year based on the fact that Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and Alphonso Davies are your front frontrunners. Same as Chase Claypool. Man, like what he's doing this yeah. year. Like a historical, uh, you know, from a rookie standpoint, and not just from a Canadian standpoint, but from an NFL standpoint. Like what he's doing. Quiet night for him last night. So I think that probably doesn't help his cause in the discussion today. Uh, as the Steelers finally lost a game, but still, over overall, it's been a tremendous season for him. Davies and and LDT are the two front runners. I, I'm going to lean towards Laurent Duvernay-Tardif because I think we sometimes underestimate like what his impact on the team was. I mean, this was a starting right guard for the eventual Super Bowl champions, protecting the most dynamic player in the National Football League right now, Pat Mahomes. And for him to kind of walk away from all that pair, I to, like that to me is incredible for him to do that. And that like in a team sport, man, that guy did the ultimate team thing. You know, he walked away to help all of us in in a in with a global pandemic in the backdrop. Like that's that's incredible to me. And maybe people so you might, might think that's less about sports, but I, I just think that it's hard not to overlook the whole big picture here.
3: Yeah, and I think that's where the discussions whether going on right now will be had. I mean, yes, he was a Super Bowl champion, so you are you are the best. He is, you know, is he the best at his position in his game? No. Um, is he in the top ten or fifteen? Yeah, I guess you you could you could say that. I don't think he's in the top ten as far as contracts from linemen. So he is. I but if you're going to use that criteria, you go Alfonso Davies, okay. Did he play at the highest level? Yes. Is he in the top three in his position in the world where more people play that sport? Yes, uh, you know, that's the, the one thing that he can't match up is, well, but he didn't walk away from the sport. Well, he wasn't in a position to walk away from the sport. But if you also want to tug at heartstrings, you can then just get into the whole refugee story. I mean, remember, to the surprise of so many people, when North America was going after the World Cup, thought, okay, we've got to make our bid in Lausanne, Switzerland. What are we going to do? Oh, here's what we'll do. We'll tell the Canadian, the North American story, and we'll have this refugee come out and talk about what soccer means to him and what Canada means to him. And surprisingly, there's Alfonso Davies, I think, at the age of 16, making a speech to everybody, trying to win North America and Canada, the World Cup, in which he does. So his story, too, is not one of serving your community by being a doctor. But by taking advantage of what the country has to offer and go, hey, if you want to anoint me with Canada's Athlete of the Year, man, I love wearing the Maple Leaf. I love letting Canadians know what soccer is all about and following me. So it's not like he doesn't have much of a story to
2: tell either. A hundred percent. And it's also a reminder that, man, the Whitecaps did not give us enough of an opportunity to appreciate him here.
3: <laughs> right, that could should have been a billboards and everywhere. Just come watch and play. Even if he only went on for twenty minutes, half an hour, man. Don't get me going. I was part of that broadcast crew. The number of times I requested Alfonso Davis to talk to because if the game wasn't good, he was still special. And whether it was Robo or somebody else, it was just yeah. I know you can't talk to. him. And I go really. Connor McDavid's doing interviews since he's like fourteen. I don't think he's getting played. You got national television right now, and you don't want us to talk about him. And we can't talk. And the fact is, it wasn't like he was a bad interview. Fonzie was fun. He was a fifteen-year-old. Yep. He talked about going to study for science tests tonight, and you never had the opportunity to market that guy like they should have. Boy, what a massive well, well, missed but opportunity! but Perry, that was... but
2: Perry, like, should we should we be shocked at that franchise when you think about like what's the most defining moment of, of the ten years in MLS for the Vancouver Whitecaps that they sold Alfonso Davies, right? It's not a big playoff win. It's not a, a big, you know, euphoric moment. It's not a massive signing. It's selling Alfonso Davies. It's probably the defining moment in the first 10 years of existence in MLS for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Like, that kind of speaks volumes to just how inept that franchise has been. And to, to squander five years where the Canucks were in a rebuild, like, man, this like the Whitecaps should be a much bigger talking point in this market than they are now. And they've squandered that opportunity. And case in point, you know, the, the handling of Alfonso Davies, you know, to have him out there in front, and make, why not market him a little more? Again, from a pressure standpoint, but man, like, you know, if you look at how many other leagues, they don't hesitate. Like, you know, look at, I mean, even Bayern Munich for that matter. Right. Like, look at how they ultimately utilize like Alfonso Davies was a teenager. They had him on a platform playing in a big game, doing it right. And we've seen lots of other teenagers have success playing on, you know, on a global stage in big moments and big games.
3: They would argue that if they would have put him out there, it might have changed him. And so what they reaped for selling him to Bayern Munich wouldn't been as much because maybe he never would have uh, pushed through. There was one time that he had. And I agree with this. Is uh, he had an opportunity to go train over in Europe? It wasn't going to be with the top team. It might have been Manu. Someone could text and correct me on the Dumbart Lumber text line. Um, but it wasn't the it, it wasn't the first team. It was the U twenty ones, and the Whitecaps decided not to send them because they say, you know, he goes over there with U twenty ones and doesn't do as well. That's going to ruin his his market value. And I said, yeah, great call. You never know; these twenty one year olds are going to see this guy and they're going to start hacking and whacking. If he belongs to the first team and they're not giving the shot, keep him away from him. But you knew what you were getting in MLS. You knew what he was doing to the competition. Go and, and make him the biggest thing going. And so when eventually he leaves, whether he makes it or not, and I never would imagine he would have the impact he has. But, yeah, I, I think there was even more money to be made in Alfonso Davis, and I think there was <laughs> even more people that wish they would have gone to see him play. They go, really? He played here? No, I didn't really know that much about him. Soccer people did, but I think the sports fan now would have. And Alfonso's drawing the game now more than he did in a white caps uniform, ironically, doing it in Germany.
2: Yeah. 650-650 is our Dunbar-Lembert text line. Uh, a couple of uh, people chiming in on the debate and the discussion as to who their choice for the Lou Marsh Award for Canada's Athlete of the Year. Uh, from Jono, uh, I lean towards Davies due to the global aspect of soccer and how a Canadian got to that elite level. Uh, total props to Laurent. Uh Nelson and Langley, uh, nice to see my nephew getting some love, but don't tell him I would have to give it to Alfonso. Hashtag proud Uncle Eleven. Uh, Nelson with uh, obviously skin in the game game for uh, for Fonzie. You know, there is a history um, back in 1983 Rick Hansen and Wayne Gretzky tied for the Lou Marsh Award. Is that conceivable, do you think, that Alfonso and Laurent, with what they did, um, share the award That's this a year?
3: Oh, really? They did, eh? A
2: tie. But, it, like, is, is it is it a cop-out? Like, you know... No, is it, is it a cop out in a, a, a year with those, with with those two guys? And and I guess you know in some respects, oh, that's so Canadian. Or, but like honestly, for this year, for those two guys to share with what they meant and what they've done. I mean, honestly, like Alfonso Davies and and um, mark my words, this will not be the first time we have a conversation about Alfonso Davies in the conversation for the Lou Marsh Award over the next ten years. I'm going to guess that he's going to win multiple Lou Marsh Awards based on what we're seeing from his abilities. But this is probably the one year that we'll see Laurent Duvernay-Tardif in the conversation for the Lou Marsh Award, if I could guess.
3: Well, you you know, we had a rash on at 6 o'clock, and a rash in February, pre-COVID, said as he walked away from the Super Bowl and the Hard Rock Stadium Said to his cameraman, "Listen, I think that guy could win the Lou Marsh Award." And he wasn't saying that because he was going to leave this season. This was prior to the coronavirus, and felt like, "Hey, this guy just won a Super Bowl on a team uh, with the best quarterback in the league, and has a starting job and a forty million plus contract." And I completely agree with the Rash that if like, if coronavirus doesn't happen, and boy, how we spent eight months in the what if situation here in the radio. But if coronavirus doesn't happen, if Alfonso Davies has an average year, is, is is he not still in the conversation, Tardif, to win this award? I would say so. If he's playing right now on a team that's 10 and 1, Super Bowl champ, and he's a starter, he would still be in the top four conversation. Go, this guy's got to have consideration. He's won a Super Bowl, and they may win two Super Bowls, and he's a starter on it. I, I would think full value to be in the conversation to possibly win it
2: yeah no i imagine that back-to-back winner right if he were to if he were to have come if had he played back-to-back seasons yeah uh to walk away with a second super bowl ring like what does that story look like right um that would be totally remarkable and and to where he came from too right like not your conventional you know massive school um it is, it is a tremendous story. Uh, so that's coming up in just under three hours from now. We'll find out the winner of the Lou Marsh Award uh, later on today. But the debate and the discussion is underway amongst uh, several members of the media across this country here this morning. All right, to, uh, 19 minutes to 8 o'clock. Your Canucks commute coming your way at 8. Also, uh, will be. have you heard about some of these stories? Wayne Gretzky's rookie card. Um, might fetch for over a million dollars, could be the first hockey card to go for a million dollars at an auction upcoming this month. Uh, We'll get into that and the explosion once again of the sports card industry in the 8 o'clock hour. Um, We'll talk to Peter Nickel, one of the directors of KSA, grading uh, and just to speak about the rise once again. There was a boom about 30 years ago but you know what? If you got a card collection, you better dust them off. Get them out of the attic. Get them out of the garage because you might be sitting on a gold mine right now. We'll get to that coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Your Canucks commute is coming up at 8. Was the NHL taking a big step forward financially as they get closer to try to return to play. And LeBron James weighs in on playing with his son in the NBA in a couple of years from now. That and much, much more. All still ahead here on your home of Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet 650.
0: Said at the end of this contract, I'll be in year twenty. Uh, the best thing about it is that uh, the year I'll be a free agent will be the same year my my, my oldest son graduates high school. Um, so I'll have some options to see. Uh, for me personally, what I want to do for to be around my family, being around my son more, or, or continue to play this game that I love you know, with great health and um, you know just you know, great spirit. So um, uh, we we will see. This is The Starting Lineup
1: with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
2: 748, there's LeBron, the king. Eyeballing his new contract and strategically it times out to uh, where, well, could his 16-year-old son currently, Bronny, LeBron James Jr., Could he be potentially in the association? And how would that look with LeBron possibly playing alongside him? So Bronny is right now a sophomore in high school at Sierra Canyon. And he's Mm 6'2", and he came off the bench last season. So we'll see where he ultimately develops And you know, 16 to to 19. A a lot can happen. But, you know, is there that possibility that LeBron could play with his son? I, I think he certainly didn't hide from that fact that that's a possibility.
3: So at no point over the uh, dinner table is anyone in the James family going, "Hey, it's important to get your college education." Bronny, you know, Dad's got two more years. You'll be finished high school. You'll just write into the association like I did. You know, you think about it. You know, we were talking about Alfonso Davis, James, a- and I can remember showing highlights because ESPN used to go into Ohio and they were televising. ESPN were televising mm-hmm. LeBron James high school games. I mean, it was that big. He was that big as they waited to go. And I just thought, wow, like this is crazy. They are showing a high school game to watch LeBron James play. Could he be that good? Is he going to be that much of a difference maker? And you always think, no, there's, there's no way. There, there's no way he's going to live up to the hype. The poor kid, he's not going to be able to handle it. And now to say, hey, man, he's going to be finished high school my son will be, so probably in the association, uh, I'm not going to see it's the norm, but boy rather than one and done you're just jumping right into the league now and that it's it's not uh, it's not like it was when dad did it
2: well wow. I mean, going back to the 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 importance of education do you think lebron james made a mistake not going to college or university
3: no, I'm not. Saying. Listen, I right? think everybody right? listening, like the, yeah, tell i mean your sons ju- and daughters yeah. to get an education, but no.
2: Yes, your not. job is to go get an education. And yes, it's, it's like, you know, for, for the overwhelming majority of people, you know, post-secondary prepares you for, you know, helping you get a job in life. But man, LeBron had a job and he was set for life, but he didn't need to go. To. It's man. It's like look at some of these kids that are making apps and, and designing stuff that are you know not, you know elementary school and high school and they're and they're worth a bazillion or YouTube sensations for that matter. Now oh. they're worth millions of dollars. They haven't they haven't done university or college. I'm not subscribing to the idea that you know skip post secondary. But LeBron did not need it, and you know Bronny, at the way he seems to be trending right now, he may not need it either. Now the NBA may have to change rules in order to. Facilitate uh, Bronny skipping, uh, you know, post-secondary and going right from high school because the NBA has obviously modified these rules, which is why we're seeing guys, you know, the one and done now, right? Like you don't see guys that stick around for years now in the college game. You know, guys show up, they play their one year in college, and then they go to the NBA now, right? Like most of the top picks, you're you're a one and done. Um, but LeBron, I mean, what what has he made? Over a billion dollars in career earnings between between his NBA salary and endorsements. Like that's a win, man. That's a win for a high school diploma. Where are we with parents? Like, do you look and and I
3: guess we couldn't see, but if if I was to see some twelve year old and he's grinding it out and he's he's kicking a soccer ball at the field, and I see him with pylons and. And his dream, he's saying, "No, I just, I just want to play Major League Soccer. Or I, I want to go to Europe and play. I want to be a pro soccer player." Uh, as opposed to the twelve-year-old that is doing all these crazy things on YouTube and says, "You know, I just be, want to be like Logan or Jake Paul. I just, I, I just want to be an influencer." Like, really, both could be when you're dealing at the percentage that of people that actually achieve it uh, from a monetary standpoint, they could be very similar. But wouldn't you look at the guy who's just playing video games or just making these crazy YouTube things? That really like, make sure you're going to. Hey, plan on school. This isn't really going to happen. Plan on school, where it may not be as far fetched as it is as the kid who's training all the time. Going, I want to be a pro athlete. Mm-hmm. So you got your kids who are going to be. You know, if your girls are playing video games, let them play. They could be a pro making YouTube videos. Let them play lebron lebron was always going to make it i have a lot of appreciation for sons or daughters of those who are really famous and you go they're actually in college good for you because that's not me man if i had an easy road i am right there you don't have to i don't have to do i am a trust fund baby i'm like i'm like that guy who's on the kardashians i don't know what he does he just marries the kardashian he goes man that is easy street what do you have for a job that would be me but the kids who come from a whole bunch, and no, we're just in school. We're taking a different path. Like, oh, that's awesome.
2: Well, and, and the remarkable thing to for LeBron is that you know he has lived up to the hype and even beyond in terms of what the anticipation and and the hype surrounding him back in two thousand three. And by the time this contract is up, it'll be twenty years in the league and the opportunity. Like, think about hey, there's a lot of Mariners fans that'll remember Griffey, uh, Dad and Dad and Junior playing together, right? Yeah. And, and that sort of romantic moment that Major League Baseball was able to embrace and celebrate. And, you know, a couple texts uh, here on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Uh, one person uh, remarked saying, some poor team's going to waste a lottery pick on LeBron's kid. But, you know, Langley Fun Guy pointing out that LeBron and his son playing together is a massive marketing miss if the NBA doesn't change the one-and-done rule. We've had LeBron, his name was Jordan, but Jordan never played with his son. Like, this is a huge opportunity. And LeBron will go, you know, in all likelihood, he'll leave the Lakers and go wherever that may be. And imagine a small, you know, hapless franchise. Like, imagine Sacramento. Like, look at that Mm -hmm. team's been stuck in the mud for how long, right? For the better part of the last 15 years. Imagine the Kings landing Bronny and LeBron going there. What that would do to that franchise. Or say the Knicks, for that matter, after all the hapless frustration and futility that they've endured. That could be a game changer for a franchise.
3: Well, we saw with the Hows, but Gordy was more of a novelty act, right, to play with Mark and Marty. But LeBron's two years removed from being the MVP, as long as he becomes a little bit of a Vince Carter and goes, okay, I can't have that dominant role. But you know what? I I wouldn't pass pass it by LeBron James that he's still not dominating this league in three years' time when his kid's ready to go.
2: I mean, we Which saw t- what uh, I mean. Brandon Morrow played with his father-in-law, Guy Carbono. So I mean, I guess there's a quasi precedent, and from a hockey standpoint yeah. as well. But yeah. anyway, something that the NBA is going to have to look at and say, "Man, that this is an opportunity to be a win," cont- provided that Bronny can continue to trend and be, uh, you know, the player that I think a lot of people hope he can, certainly can be. Five minutes to eight o'clock here on this Tuesday morning. He's Perry. I'm James. Your Canucks commute coming up in a matter of moments. And if you have one of those Grant's rookie cards you might be sitting on a gold mine these days we'll get to that as well all coming up eight o'clock hour hour number three on this tuesday morning here on your home of the canucks sports net 650
0: A cup of joe and the Canuck commute. Even though there was a stall, I think there were always open lines of communications. I don't think everybody was happy with anyone else, really. Um, But, you know, there's a bigger picture here, and that is that the commissioner wants to play and the players want to play. A five-star morning on the starting lineup.
2: Eight o'clock, hour number three here on this Tuesday morning, James Perry kicking it with you until 9 o'clock, and this is your Canucks Commute here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Coming up in just a few minutes, uh, we'll also uh, check in on the absolute explosion during uh, this pandemic of uh, the sports card industry and and hobbyists, man, collecting. has become a thing again during this pandemic, and a report uh, coming out this week that Wayne Gretzky's rookie card could fetch. Yes, I know a few of you have one of those hoarded away or locked in a safe or somewhere in a box. Um, could fetch for as much as a million dollars, the first hockey card to ever do so. Uh, So we'll get to that story in just a little bit. But uh, I think the big news from a hockey standpoint in the last, what, 12 hours here, pair, or even less than that, is that the NHL and the Players Association have come to an agreement, I guess, on a financial piece of what the NHL's return to play will look like here for the 2021 season. Uh, and at least it sounds like the CBA that was agreed to months ago will probably stay the same here.
3: Well, here's the agreement. Let's agree that what we did in the summertime is fine.
2: And NHL owners, I
3: think some of them didn't – I'm not going to say didn't pay a lot of attention. But from all reports, Gary Bettman, you know, was able to push this through with considering what was going on. Maybe some of the owners go, yeah, no, sure, yeah, we trust you, Sure. And then all of a sudden they saw what September, October, November brings and where we're at right now, and they're watching the other leagues and they're okay, well, screw that. We need more money from the players, so let's put the hammer down to them. And good on the NHLPA because I think last night when they wouldn't budge and wouldn't budge and the NHL essentially said, okay, we'll move off this. Uh, you guys aren't doing anything other than what you said you would do in the summertime, and whether they think that's fair or not, and maybe some owners are upset at Gary Bettman, uh, the only way that the players seem to be saying, hey, we'll we'll play in, in January. But listen, we shook hands. We made a deal in the summertime. Stick to the deal. Now, at the end of the day, this is a 50-50 split, James. So if no money is made and the projections look like this and the facts look like in 2023, hey, we didn't make the money, you're going to have to defer and escrow and all that. Someone's paying the piper at some point. But for now, I think the 700-plus members of the NHLPA go, good. We knew we were giving them a bunch of money back, and they wanted more, and we said no, and they've apparently listened to us. That's the toughest part. Now, to me, the most interesting part, what will this season look like?
2: We continue to wait. Here's what Elliot Friedman had to say uh, last night, uh, speaking of the uh, return-to-play protocols, or at least from a financial standpoint.
0: Basically, the League and the Players Association are grinding away at a schedule, which is expected to be 56 games. They're grinding away at protocols. What happens if someone tests positive? How do players who opt out want to do so? What's the... You know, what's the penalty, if any, in terms of financial or anything like that? If you opt out on the year, training camps, there's places like Montreal, Winnipeg, San Jose, where there's very strict current situations right now. Um, You know, how's that all going to work? I think all of that stuff, no exhibition games, it looks like. I think all of that stuff is being planned right now, and they're grinding away at it. You know, one of the biggest hurdles they had were the financial uh, questions. Uh, Last month, the league asked the players for a couple of changes to the economic framework, including deferred money and escrow cap changes. The players were not willing to consider the latter, but they were willing to talk about deferred money, but they wanted a meaningful connection, uh, concession. I'm told, Faisal, that one of the things they asked for was the salary caps to be raised slightly um, just to put more money in the system for players, but the league and the owners weren't interested in that, so uh, they decided, you know what, we're going to shelve it, we're not going to make a deal there, and we're going to move on.
2: So there's uh, Elliot Friedman as to where things sit. I, I don't think anybody figured that there wouldn't be a season, right, Pear? I mean, it's just a question of how how this financial landscape. You know, they'll they'll have to figure out in terms of, hey, the protocol in terms of dealing with players that test positive because you know that they're going to test positive, right? Like that is ultimately going to happen at some point here uh, this season. when I mean, it's happening to the NBA right now. The Toronto Raptors got hit with three positive cases yesterday. The Portland Trailblazers the day before that. You know, almost 50 players testing positive in the NBA. You know, Major League Baseball saw it. The NFL's been dealing with it. Just ask the Baltimore Ravens last week. But here we are now and looking at where things go from the National Hockey League. Like this is this to me feels like the biggest peace of mind going forward. It's just a question of when the players will pay back this money that they're going to have to write a check for the owners at some point in time.
3: So let's let's take a look at the the odds, the numbers we're dealing with. We we've seen the NFL giant rosters and they've had their issues and they only play once a week. We're going set for the NBA, smaller rosters, and a similar schedule as to what's going to be happening with, with, uh, with the NHL. And then there's the NHL, uh, going to condense everything, flying around. You're right. You're going to see COVID-19 cases happen and happen in a big way in this league. How do you handle it? And, you know, who are you replacing players with? You, you don't know what's going on with the AHL. Is Utica playing? I can't see the American Hockey League going. So how do you carry it, everybody? But to think that when we get a schedule rolled out in the next two or three weeks and say, oh, okay, so it looks like they start January 13th, it's the Oilers, and then on the 16th and 17th, they're playing two against Jacob Markstrom in Calgary. To think the schedule we see is going off without a hitch, well, you know, you're not paying any attention to 2020. If it goes off without a hitch, Uh, there's no way. I mean, your most valuable player of this year, maybe the guy who actually gets to play all the games, because I don't know how many players are going to get through this Scott three without having to miss some games.
2: You know, you look at what's happening with the world juniors right now, pair. And they're going to do the Edmonton bubble again. Uh, but you're already if seeing they get what's, there, some well, of these and, and Sweden, yeah, Sweden dealing with positive cases, including their coach, the the head of the International Ice Hockey Federation, Rene Fazel, actually also testing positive for COVID nineteen. Uh, you also now, and and you know, Rene Fazel, not a young guy, right? I mean, that's that's a legitimate concern in terms of where he's at for his age. Uh, three members of the German uh, World Junior squad they won't be able to join and take part because of uh, testing positive for COVID nineteen, but look at the restrictions in place here in this province you know mm-hmm. is dr bonnie uh, and john horgan and adrian dix are they going to ultimately allow the canucks to play here because right now the rules would dictate that they can't right just ask the bchl look at the situation right now in quebec and and some of these other provinces you know the restrictions that are in place, I mean the san francisco forty ers last night got spanked by the bills in Arizona right that was a that was a home game for San Francisco in Arizona, right like where could the Canucks be looking at playing if the rules don't change? but you know these restrictions in place at least until January eighth right now provincially, but what does that look like after christmas? I mean are we going to be be are we going to behave are we going to flatten this curve? Or is everybody going to say, you know what, I'm going to see my family and friends and we're looking at another spike here in two weeks?
3: As Bert said, and, and you've got every different state with different protocols and different rules. Uh, so there's a, let's say, I guess the biggest stumbling block was financial. How do you figure that out? If the, if the millionaires don't want to give up more money to the billionaires, you're not going to play. So they just pushed that aside and said, at some point, someday we'll figure it out. But for now, that's not the issue. And now, James, that that hurdle is cleared. You realize how complex all the other hurdles are, because you know Gary Bettman doesn't have control over what the province of BC is doing. Now you can hope for exemptions here and there, but really, if you look at it now, and you, adults can't gather to play, then how, how did the Vancouver Canucks hold a training camp here, January second at Rogers Arena? Like, how many are, are there going to be exemptions for everything? We did, we lost the bubble here and rightly so, and although there was no positive test, Dr. Bonnie was just not going to allow it. Listen, you got to show me what's going to happen. If someone tests positive, they're not coming back and playing within a couple of days. They didn't like it, so Alberta said, come on, everybody come aboard. Well, they've done that. In Sweden, they've never really locked down, but now most of that Swedish junior team are running into problems there, and who knows when they get to Canada. Canada will take the ice today in Red Deer after their 14-day quarantine. I can't imagine what happens if in the next five or six days, somehow, someway, there's another positive test on Team Canada. I don't think the tournament goes on if that happens.
2: Well, I, you know, so you wait and see what sort of provincial restrictions will stay in place if there will be a relaxation to allow this. And look – There were concessions that were being uh, made back in the summer. Obviously, Alberta was ready to go with this. The province of Ontario, uh, the province of British Columbia was ready to have NHL players here until they weren't um, when they kind of drew their line in the sand in terms of saying, hey, look, no, if, you know um they had they had their threshold in terms of just how far they were willing to go which is why Vancouver ultimately didn't become a hub city which looked like it was almost signed sealed and delivered until at the 11th hour it fell apart and Edmonton ultimately landed one of those hub cities and they did a wonderful job with it but we're not looking at we're not looking at hubs or bubbles this time right like we're looking at hey an all Canadian division in all likelihood and we're going to look at the US and everybody's going to travel here there and everywhere They'll try to limit it as much as possible, I'm sure. But there's a lot of questions that need to be addressed here before. Like, it's great that the National Hockey League's got this return to play. But, pair like, y- the point you make about training camp, like, under the current restrictions right now, the Canucks can't play. <laughs> right? Like, they're not here anyway. Yeah.
3: Listen, I'm thrilled they're playing. And I'm fascinated to see the rules that will be made to get them to play. Hey, no question. If January 13th is the day, I can't wait to play. And in a strange way, I, I, it'll be fascinating to see, okay, who, who's not playing today? I want everybody to stay healthy. But we just know, just like it was, it was fascinating, all of a sudden two weeks ago, Lamar Jackson's got COVID. Oh, they're canceling this game. They're, he's not an old lineman anymore. They're going to have to do something. There's nobody who can play in Baltimore. And we watched the result. Baltimore's playing again Tuesday night. I think they mentioned yesterday, first time ever in the NFL. They've actually played every day this week. But it's going to happen in hockey. Sidney Crosby's not playing. Someone's not playing. Someone's, you know, be it a staff member. That's how it started in Baltimore. The staff member got it, right? So, yeah. Hey, I'm, 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 it's going to be a fascinating season. The bubble was an experiment. This is almost another thing. It will be amazing to see how this runs out when it starts in the middle of January.
2: Uh, 13 minutes after 8 o'clock. I want to change gears here for a second. I don't know if you've seen the story over the last uh, day or so, but um, there's an auction being held later this week, and a Wayne Gretzky rookie card could fetch, make hockey history, could fetch a million dollars on the market at a time that all of a sudden that we talk about these tough, economic, challenging, difficult times, and yet the housing market is going through the roof. Pokemon cards are the hottest thing in the world, and so too is the sports card industry once again. Joining us on the line, Peter Nickel, uh Director of KSA Grading here in Vancouver on the West Coast. Uh, Peter joins us here bright and early this morning. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, James.
5: <clears throat> Hi, gentlemen. It's uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on.
2: Well, thank you. What what's happened over the last what, 10 months here with the sports card industry? Where I like when I was a teenager, I remember it exploding 30 years ago in the early 90s and then it kind of flatlined. But here we go again and it feels like it's way different this time around.
5: Yeah, it's it's just been phenomenal to see uh, you know, uh since COVID unfortunately hit us, uh people have had a lot more time at home to devote to their hobbies. Um, They're traveling less all of a sudden they have disposable income maybe that's that's sitting there that used to be spent on other things Uh, They're spending time with their family. Maybe they're bringing their kids into it They're they're looking through their garage since maybe they're working at home they have more time to to find their uh, their their treasures that have been tucked away since the early 90s since the last boom in the card market and um, It's just led to this resurgence. I mean, there's there's other things as well There's the the documentary of course the last dance documentary with Michael Jordan which created a huge um, kind of, you know, uh, resurgence in, in the basketball card market. Um, in terms of the, the hockey card market, as you mentioned, uh, just the, the press from this, this auction that's happening with the Gretzky uh, rookie card that was graded a Gem Mint 10, which, of course, is extremely rare to find. Um, it's, it's, it's already going to be the, uh, the first ever hockey card to surpass the $1 million mark in the industry. So exciting times for sure. So,
3: Peter, obviously anybody who grew up in Edmonton at a time when you would go buy hockey cards and Edmonton was your team before they were great would think that, hey, we better go through the box and see if you have a Gretzky card. Unless someone who grew up in Edmonton had all his cards thrown away when he was a kid, and I won't mention names. (laughs) But yeah, Mom, we're never getting over that one. But here's what I'm fascinated in. If I found a Gretzky rookie card at home, then there's this whole grading process. Can you just kind of explain to me and the listeners like what are the, is it, is it a one through 10? Is it an ABC? How is the average card that someone has is what are the chances of that being graded at the highest level?
5: Yeah. So typically, you know um, well, the beautiful thing about the Gretzky rookie cards is it doesn't really matter what condition they're in because, you know, typically uh, the condition of that card, if you find it, it's going to be well handled from, you're talking about kids that, that grew up in the uh, in the eighties and um, you know uh before the kind of uh the kind of invest in uh, investor got involved in in this as well and and then uh how it changed into more of a financial aspect as well but um typically you'll find a gretzky rookie card that grades kind of a 3 or a 4 out of 10 so you know the grading process. We're looking at the condition of the card. The scale ranges from a one to a ten. A one being poor, a ten being a gem mint. Um, on average, now when when a Gretzky rookie card is submitted, it's it's going to hit usually around a three or a four, which is kind of very good to um, a very good excellent condition, uh, which means that it might have like rounded corners or uh, you know um, pretty heavy corner wear, off centered, maybe a wax stain from a wax pack. All those good things that we grew up with. Uh, Collecting hockey cards out of the pack, um, so it's it, to answer your question, it's, it's it's very difficult to find one that grades that high, and that's part of the reason why uh, it's going to crack a million dollars in this auction. But um, you know, that being said, since COVID has hit us, uh, Gretzky rookie cards have doubled in value. Um, so, you know, even if it's low grade, uh, you're looking at, uh, a card that's going to be worth at least a thousand dollars approximately. So definitely worth uh, digging them out. Um, the beautiful thing about grading your cards is that it's, it adds value to the cards. Um, for one thing, there are a lot of counterfeit cards out there that exist that have been printed, especially for the Gretzky rookie. Many of the, uh, big rookie card names as well, uh, Some people have trimmed cards, etc. So people want to know that they're dealing with the real deal. Um, So that's one of the the reasons why they uh, authenticate and grade their card. Um, So uh, the other thing, too, of course, is that for the resale value, people want to know what they're dealing with. So they take a company like uh, mine here in Vancouver with KSA Grading. And um, they uh, get a third party to assess it uh, based on the condition. Um, and it's almost like an exponential curve. The higher the grade, the the rarer it is defined. And so, you know, that equates to the, the increase in, in the value of the card. It kind of grows exponentially every notch of the tier up the grading scale. Um, so a lot of people, when they resell their cards, they're doing it through online platforms such as eBay, Facebook, Marketplace. And when they do that, um, they want to make sure... That the person that's buying it knows exactly what the condition is because that's just so huge in determining the value of a card, right?
2: Yeah, Peter Nickel from KSA Grading with us here on Sportsnet 650, and, and that's it, and it's almost like grading a diamond, isn't it?
5: It is. It's uh, it's it's similar for sure. You know, um, you look, you know, you're assessing a diamond. You're looking at the clarity. You're looking at the uh, the cut, etc. Um, same type of things with the cards. So you're looking at um, the surface condition, the centering, the corner wear. The edges, uh, print imperfections. Um, so it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, these are these are like cultural artifacts. They're fine art. They're limited production. I mean, we're talking about um, those are peachy cards, the hockey cards in the 70s and 80s, uh, especially when they get into the, the high condition, right? And um, so, you know, Europe has operas. We have hockey. Um, and so that's that's what we like to collect. We want to collect things that we connect with. Um, and we like the rarity factor.
2: And you guys have done a few Gretzky cards. Like, give me a sense, like how many Gretzky rookie cards you guys have graded, uh, at your company?
5: Yes. Uh, well with KSA grading, uh, you know, based on my estimates, we've graded approximately close to 15,000 Gretzky (laughs) rookie cards. We've been in business since 1996. So no one in the world has graded more Gretzky rookie cards than, than us, uh, for sure. Um, you know, being a Canadian grading company, of course. So, um, yeah but uh you know when you think about it of the fifteen thousand like how many are are high grade uh like that you know most of them most of them are gonna be twos threes fours fives you know if you're if you're really lucky, maybe you hit a near mint seven so it's um uh but you know either way the the price of of that card has doubled and so since, since pete
2: and pete in fairness to to what people are wondering like. Just because you have a card, and Perry, we were talking about this recently when we, we had our upper deck promotion a few months ago. Just because you've opened up a card out of a pack doesn't mean you've got
5: a 10, right? No. I mean, even with the new uh, editions, the surfaces are glossy, so they're more prone to be kind of you know scratched. Um, and uh, you know, even, off the, even with all the computer processes that they use, it's, it's never going to be necessarily a pinpoint accuracy in terms of the centering of a card. Um, you can get roller marks off the press. So if you're in this package, you can get corner dings. You know, back the corner. Um, for sure.
2: Uh-oh, we might have to grade this phone call.
3: Yes, I don't know <laughs> if it's the 10 phone call. Yeah, Did we lose you... Peter?
2: Peter, are you still with us? I'm, I'm here. I'm oh, here. okay, perfect. Yeah, we had just lost the connection oh, there for there a second. Go. but uh, What's the most Literally, hate- literally as, ahead,
3: as we were talking, uh, and James knows this, Peter, uh, my best buddy, his mom was Gretzky's maid, and I know he got a, a signed uh, Remember when Gretzky played with the white Titan, TPM Titan. He's got a signed Gretzky stick. Gretzky gave it to him for his birthday. I just texted text him and said, hey, man, did you ever get a card from Gretzky? So I don't know about that. But here's something. We were talking about Gordie Howe last, uh, last hour. And so you think it's Gretzky, it's Gretzky, a Honus Wagner, but, you know, Gordy, how has Mr. Hockey been around for so long, WHA, NHL? Is there a lot of worth? I never hear Gordy's name brought up when it comes to cards.
5: Uh, there is definitely a lot of worth. Uh, the You know, those vintage items, well, of course, you know, Gordy passed away recently, and so his autograph, uh, just typically when, when someone passes away, right, their autograph, people know that there's finite supply, uh, that it, so uh, that adds you know drives the the value up as well um but you know any of those uh hall of famers like Gordie Howe Bobby Orr um there's 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 big value in the autographs and also in their rookie cards they are just incredibly tough to find very very limited print run right
2: yeah yeah no no and that's so so tell me this here we are fast forward to to 2020 and obviously you've got you know, you've got moms and dads who may have had a box, you know, or might still have a box that people dust off. It's funny talking to a buddy about this recently. He's like, man, I got a Gretzky car, rookie car. And it's like, I'm racing over to my parents so I can go find this. And, oh, my God, I'm sitting on a gold mine here. And, um, but for, for now, if, if kids want to start or, or or even grownups now want to jump back into the game, like, what where do you even start? Like, what would you recommend,
5: Pete? Yeah, great question. You know, there are uh, affordable entry points into the market. And um, I personally, I think, you know, uh, if you've got kids, why not start with the Tim Horton set? You know, uh, they're affordable. Uh, They're beautiful cards. They've got all kinds of inserts in them. It's a good way to kind of um, get your kids interested in the hobby as well. Um, So I would start there. Um, I wouldn't, you know, uh, necessarily worry about condition when you're starting. Um, I'd try and pick up some of those 80s Opeche sets. Uh, Any Gretzky cards in any condition from the 80s I think are a good investment, but uh, you can get them at uh, more affordable price points as well from uh, uh, in the the kind of lower to mid grades as well. So that's probably where I would start as a recommendation. Uh,
2: Most valuable card that you've ever graded?
5: Most valuable card that I've ever graded? Well, I've graded uh, some high-end Gretzky rookies. I've graded a 52 Topps Mantle, um, 1911 Fred Mm -hmm. Cyclone Taylor, um, I love those those tobacco cards from 1911. Um, you know Bobby Orr rookie cards that are high end Gordie Howe rookie's that are high end. Um, those would probably be in the same kind of ballpark you're talking in the tens of thousands of dollars. Do you I mean, get how nervous? long does that process take to grade? <laughs> you know it, it really depends on the card. Uh, I you know sometimes it can take up to an hour if you were doing really really thorough research um sometimes it can take about 10 minutes um so it it just really depends on how um tricky the subject that you're dealing with i mean some of these super rare cards from from the turn of the century they require a lot of research and um you you've got to really make sure that uh, you're dealing with something that's authentic right so it's it's definitely really fun to to research this stuff though for sure what a what a great hobby
2: uh, listen, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, obviously, it's a busy time for the industry, and uh, what a fascinating week uh, for the sports card industry, especially on this side of the border with a, a Gretzky rookie. Bidding, by the way, currently at $675,000 for the uh, Gretzky perfect 10-graded uh, rookie card from Opeechee back in 1979-80. Uh, Pete, appreciate this. If people want any further information and have decided to all of a sudden run up and grab the shoebox or uh, their old binders and, and look at uh, their cards say maybe i should get this graded where can they uh, where can they connect
5: yeah thanks again gentlemen for for having me on Uh, i can be reached at 778-928-9572 and of course our website is ksagrading.com so thanks again for uh, for having me on guys
2: thanks pete Pete. you stay safe out there uh peter nickel from uh ksa grading uh here on the west coast pair six hundred and seventy five thousand dollars your mom needs some explaining now
3: Oh, well, and someone texting in that he gave all his cards to his nephew. Who would have thought, right, we're in that wheelhouse where as a kid you're collecting and you probably put them in a cardboard box, and then then eventually you move and the parents go, I want to put an old planter in there. And hoarding. Hoarding was investing. If we only knew now, what we only knew then, what we know now, Uh, I, Idol lover said he got rid of his Gretzky card for seven hundred fifty bucks when he was twenty three. Which for seven hundred fifty bucks, <laughs> you are going, hey, you probably only played a dollar for the deck. Oh. That's not a bad return of profit, but still,
2: per, you got um, a
3: Gretzky card.
2: I, I do have a Gretzky card. I need to get it graded still. It's it's a horrible cut, um, and like, the industry, I think, they kind of describe them as the the Friday cuts where. They used wires to uh, to cut the old cards uh, back in the day, and you know, if you got somebody, if if the blades were or the wires got dull, it impacted the cut. You know, you get somebody who's you know just you know the old school, you know, human error, right? It's like, hey, buddies are going out drinking here for uh, Friday. I got to get out of here, and all of a sudden, you got a half-ass cut. So. You know, you look at those that Gretzky rookie card, a lot of them are, like they're not centered properly, right? And that's the impact of it. Buddy Carl yeah. texted into me to remind me. He, he had he had five or six How about this story, pair? He had five or six Gretzky rookies and they got stolen. And he mm-hmm. got 500 he got $500 from the insurance company uh for each one of those, but you think of the value like that that's still not enough. That doesn't cover what that value of those no. five or six Gretzky rookies. Man, that would suck.
3: Can you imagine a bank teller if back in, like, 83, someone's, I'd like a safety deposit box, please? Okay. And what are you going to put in there, Rick? No, I'm just going to put in some hockey cards. What are you, a crazy (laughs) kid?
2: Now you come Who's laughing now? Thanks so much.
3: I'd like to take that out. Hmm.
2: Yeah, who's laughing now? Uh, All right, 828, uh, if you've got a a nightmare story about your sports card collection, uh, let's hear. Maybe you put a Gretzky on the back of a spoke on a bike when you were a kid uh, where'd your money go we can get into that plus the lou marsh award is set to be handed out later on this morning we'll get into all of it next right here on your home of the canucks Sportsnet
5: 650
1: now more of the starting lineup with james sabulski and perry solkowski on Sportsnet 650
2: a lot of people lamenting a lot of people appreciating the perspective of what's going on with the sports card industry these days pair and Vance in the Loops on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 6.50, 6.50. Uh, just like you guys, all my cards were lost. Only mine were in a storage unit that ended up getting demolished, and I wasn't notified. No Gretzky rookies, but I had a few Berets, Linden, Roy, my favorite card, Solani rookie. Thinking about them oh. now brings a tear to my eye. Thanks for this. Now I got another year and a half of therapy. Not <laughs> pants in the loops.
3: <laughs> oh no, Vance, I hear you. So what I've done is we had some some cards given to us by Upper Deck, and um, and you actually a couple years ago gave me a box of NFL cards. I have now. There's what well, we have a Forever box where we kept a lot of Hannah stuff, but. I've told everyone, man, that's going into the back attic and I'm not opening a whole bunch of these. And at some point, Hannah, whether I I get to see 70 or 80 and you've got some kids, when they're 18 or 19, we're going to open up the cards. Like, I don't know what we would see, what we would have, but at least there's that possibility. Learn from your mistakes. That's what it's like to pass on to generations. And there's a whole bunch of us that had just cardboard boxes full of hockey players and thinking, all right, let's throw them out because now it's a new season. Let's get rid of those guys from 1983 and collect the 1984 edition. And little did we know we were throwing out an awful lot of money when we did that.
2: Well, the the crazy thing is, you know, I was in a, in a comic book shop a couple of months ago. And I remember the guy at the counter telling me, he said, man, Pokemon cards right now. He said, if you can get your hands on any old po- Pokemon cards, don't even hesitate. And I was never a Pokemon guy. And, uh, my 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 nine-year-old, she, she likes them too, a, a little bit, like kind of peripherally. She she likes collecting Pokemon cards. But, man, like he was like, get your hands on, doesn't matter, whatever. And I remember looking on Virage Sale like a month ago. You could find like people dumping old Pokemon cards, like stacks, hundreds and hundreds of them for, you know, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, just people getting rid of them. You look now, you can't find them. People are now charging the same price that you would for, like, a Gretzky rookie and, like, hundreds and hundreds of dollars for this stuff. Like, now the Pokemon card industry has just gone through the roof. There's, you know, another one, like, it's funny. You know, I always go, go back to wrestling here, right? But I had these old 1985, old peachy WWF cards, you know, just to have them, my mm-hmm. man, for the longest time, had an elastic around them just keeping them together, right? Like, never really thought too much of them. And years later, all of a sudden looking at turns out that that's Hulk Hogan's rookie card year. And you get a good graded no. Hulk Hogan rookie that's going for over a thousand bucks. You know, I had a couple of them just sitting there. They're not in great shape. They probably wouldn't grade overly well. But nevertheless, you know, you get an, one of those cards in excellent condition. You could be looking at fifteen hundred bucks. Like, it's just funny what what has now spiked.
3: Yeah, I you know who would know? Like I would never have thought that Pokemon cards had any kind of value to them at that point. And you know, who Look knows? That I box guess it sold for a 100,000 like,
2: Yeah, almost a half a million dollars.
3: Yeah, to have some of those. Hmm. I wonder if people who worked in card shops, uh, you know, on the factories when you're printing it out, I'm sure they were given. I wonder if they kind of just kept albums. Oh, no, it did really well. Oh, why'd you do so Well, your mom and dad, they just worked on the factory at Opichi, So, you know, for Christmas, they were given a set of the cards and they never threw them away and thought it'd be kind of a fun keepsake. And now they're worth a half million. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know. I'm shocked. And then I'm fascinated. And I know you've kind of now gotten back into the game and you're buying but i always think like really why would i spend a hundred couple hundred bucks to buy something that i once had for 25 cents mm-hmm. but th- that's investing right and i guess that's how you have to look at it that it's completely investing
2: and that's and, and the strategy and the strategy to it like you can collect older cards um but the strategy i think what a lot of people look at now is you know who's that next star who's going to be that one to break all the records you know, I got myself a Pat Mahomes rookie card. I feel like that's probably a decent investment long term, right? Um, you know what? But what is Alex Lafreniere right now? Like his rookie card, if you can get a hold of it, unless you get it in a pack of Upper Deck cards right now. But his Young Guns rookie card on the on the resale market right now, whether it's on eBay or Facebook Marketplace, pair that's going for three hundred bucks right now. He hasn't played an NHL game just yet. Right. And, and do, you, yeah. do you do you buy into Lafreniere being that good? Personally speaking, I, I think he's a winger. I, I think he's obviously a skilled guy and he's a talented guy. But do I think he's going to be that guy? I don't necessarily subscribe to him being, you know, you know, jumping in on, on something like that right now. But obviously there are a lot of people that are buying the idea of what Alex Lafreniere can be. You know, whether it's a generational talent or not, but, you know, a Connor McDavid card is obviously a popular one now. But, like, looking for that next talent, you know, the NBA draft didn't really have that player this year, but there was a lot of hype around Zion. Um, that's, you know, it's trying to project who is that next star.
3: Well, the problem, though, is we're in a society of immediate gratification and satisfaction, and you don't get it when you buy a Zion rookie card and go, you know what, in about 50 years, this is going to be worth something, kids. Really? How about it now? So that's why we go back to, you know, we're talking about guys in the 79, 80s when we're kids going, well, back then, if we would have known. Like in 2050, maybe someone's going to go, hey, do you got that Jamal Murray rookie card? Oh, yeah, I won't believe what it's worth. But it, it that that's what it is. We are now seeing, you know, I think it was Gretzky that bought the Honus Wagner card with Bruce McNeil when McDowell yeah. was owner of the Kings and, and owned Toronto and, and he was into all the collecting. uh, But that's in the eighties and they're going back and buying first ever baseball cards. But to the Honest. Now My you're going, yeah. okay, Gretzky, Lemieux, right? Those cards. How can we never hear about a Mario card being worth a bunch? Uh,
2: You know, that's a good question. I, I don't think it really tops out to an insane amount. Um, you know, I, I think Mario's good. I think, pe- like, you know, purest hockey fans look at, but I don't think it's maybe the numbers aren't necessarily there. Uh, obviously, Mario had you know, probably tapped out from his career prematurely. I mean, dealt with cancer as well. Also kind of quit because mm-hmm. was like, I don't like the way the game's going right now and kind of tapped out. And there were a lot of stop and restarts and then tried to come back. But, you know, a, ho- a hockey Hall of Famer, one of the you know one of the five, ten greatest players ever. But yeah, it's funny what what what's hot and what's not. Like Bobby Orr's rookie card is insanely hot right now.
3: Is it? But a yeah. McDavid isn't the McDavid rookie card getting big numbers too?
2: Yes, and and the McDavid rookie. Now, like there was one that sold for a lot of money that was a you know kind of a rare insert um, that went for an astronomical price. But yeah, I think if you can get your hands on a on an upper deck young guns, Connor McDavid rookie card, you know, that's a hell of a good investment right now, right? Like that's one that but, will continue to, you know, as long as Connor McDavid stays healthy and doesn't have to deal with too many more knee injuries, like he saw last year, you know, that's a card that is going to continue to trend in the right direction.
3: Yeah. A Pedersen rookie card. If someone finds that oh, in for sure. Vancouver, you Right, you hang on to that a Quinn Hughes rookie card, and especially in um, this
2: market, right? Well, and and you know what, pair? There's a great example of you know for card grading. So I took that, um, I got that Quinn Hughes. Remember we uh, we did something with yep. the, the upper deck, and I got a Quinn Hughes autographed rookie card in one of the packs, and it was like, okay, wow, here we go. And I thought, you know what, I should get this graded. So Hmm. I got it great. Company
3: property, by the way.
2: (laughs) Yes, show property. Especially in
3: 25 years. Uh, (laughs) Don't let them know.
2: (laughs) And and so I, like, so, you know, it was kind of a notification in a pack. So you had to fill out uh, an online form and, you know, enter the code and then they mail it to you. It came in a case, you know, sealed. uh, You know, I hadn't even touched it. I brought it to, you know, had it graded and... You know, the printing, like the laser scanning on it, like it there was a flaw in the print. So it still only graded, you know, I never even touched it, but it only graded a 9. I mean, a 9 is still a, a, a high grade, but it wasn't a perfect 10. And I had never even touched it, right? It's just because of the, you know, the way the printer in that particular moment for that particular card, because as Peter was alluding to, you know, cards are much glossier nowadays.
3: So then what I glean from that, that not every card, not every card produced is a, well, not everyone, but is there a 10 at all? Like if you printed a thousand Quinn Hughes, is there a chance that none of those would be graded a 10?
2: I think it's possible. I mean, I would say this, like I think 10s are pretty rare. Like they're not a lot of 10s. Like, you know, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's like when I walk into a room, you know. Like there are very few perfect tens, you know, and, yeah. you know, but, and then until I walk into that's a room, that's why and then people there's get so excited. Ten, you walk of, <laughs> I've never seen a 10. <laughs> He's over there. Oh my God. He's a unicorn over there. No, but it's, yeah. and that's, and that's like, that's it. Like, no, I, I it's very conceivable. You know, the car, the, the comic uh industry is going through that right now. Like a 10 is insanely rare. Um, You know, with card grading, it goes, I believe, like, you know, 10, 9, 9.5, 9, 8.5. Like, they're almost half grades. Um, And honestly, like, you know, look around. Like, you know, just, you know, fool around and, you know, look on the computer. uh, You know, go to eBay. See how many times you can find a a specific card for a – like, that's why Wayne Gretzky's card, you know, might go for a million bucks this week uh, because it's a perfect 10. Like, and there are just not a lot of, and think about that. Like Pete was saying, like his company, they've done 15,000 Gretzky rookies, right? How many of those are tens Mm -hmm. of 15,000? Like, you know, you'll open a box of of cards right now. You know, those cards will be in mint collection, excellent collection uh, condition. But, you know, I think very few of them will probably turn out to be a perfect ten.
3: I'd be curious as to who buys the Gretzky because Todd McFarlane of, of was it Marvel Comics, but yes. he was a card collector, Spawn, was yeah. once part owner of the minority owner of the Oilers. You wonder if he's the guy who might be throwing the money out to get
2: that. Oh, he'd be curious to find out who who would be that person, right? Alright, 8.45. Some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show next, right here on your home in the Sports Net 650. <laughs>
1: Now more of the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
2: All right, uh, 8.50, uh, the Scott Rintoul show coming your way, top of the clock. Uh, Jeff Blair, Sam Cosentino, Neil McAvoy, the new co-GM of the BC Lions. Uh, Great for Neil. Happy to see uh, Neil for so many years, local product and uh, so many years with the Lions organization, uh, finally getting a a chance to... uh, to be in that role as uh, sharing the responsibilities with uh, with Rick Campbell, but uh, Neil's certainly <laughs> deserving with the amount of experience mm-hmm. that he has brought working with the Lions for so many years. So happy about that.
3: Like there. the Bobby Ackles story, right? A guy who's been totally. around there forever, learned everything about it. Now he gets to be at the top of the food chain and probably the right way for the Lions to go that dividing that job right now as they look to push forward. Speaking of football, we get another game. There's NFL every night. I was a big winner yesterday as I had called Buffalo, kind of finished out some tickets for us. I think Steve Rapp might have been 3-0 and with his predictions on Friday for what he had. He had said New England stealing money. New, he
2: liked – he liked no, – I. I did he – oh, no, he did like New England, right? Yes, he did. He had
3: New England stealing money going, I don't know what they're thinking, but this is a freebie. Belichick is 7-0 against rookies. He'll win again. Uh, I do believe either Furman or him liked the Steelers to fall yesterday um and now we got the cowboys and the ravens right now and i've him and hod for the last couple hours what i'm going to do today but uh, who knows football game everybody in the nfc's you know washington gets the win giants get the win the Dallas cowboys actually think they're part of that conversation they have to come up with something today
2: Told you yesterday I did not like the Steelers uh, taking care of business against Washington, and we saw that come to uh, fruition last night. Lou Marsh Award uh, will be announced in about uh, 90 minutes from now. Canada's Athlete of the Year it seems to be, I would say this, Pair, it looks like it's a two-horse race. Uh, based on our polls this morning, who you got for Athlete of the Year, most people going with Alfonso Davies uh Laurent Duvernay Tardif what he did winning a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs and also just the ethical element of what he did to walk away and focus on being a doctor in the midst of a pandemic um you know very deserving and very strong consideration as well both on and off the field but I, th- I think this is probably Alfonso's uh, to win today I
3: hope so um you know what we should be proud of is even the four people that we put up on our poll question um Canadians are making a splash in every sport around the world at the highest level. Basketball, football, soccer, tennis, NFL, it'll continue. We've owned hockey forever, um, but now it just shows you the young athletes that we are producing out of our country. Hey, I can't wait for the Olympics if we get going in the summertime just to see what that Canadian basketball team looks like, because now that's a medal contender. Um, and it's fun to see that it's just not one sport we dominate. It's one sport we care of, one sport that's coming back in January. But we look back in 2020, and we meet a big dent in some of the biggest sports around the world.
2: we got to get out of here. Uh, the Scott Rental Show coming your way in just a matter of moments. But we are back at it. Same bat time, same bat channel on Wednesday. He's Perry. I'm James. Talk to you then right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet 650.